0: This podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Blue Moon Spiritual Wellbeing, who you all know that I'm a massive fan of. I had my first reading with Zosh in January 2019, and it was so accurate. And I've had really great readings since. And I know that a lot of my followers have too. We all talk about physical and mental health, but people don't talk enough about the importance of spiritual health and meditation, uh, which obviously is extremely important. I can't recommend Zosh at Blue Moon highly enough. She provides amazingly accurate cosmic guidance with her bespoke spiritual readings, natal charts, astrology, crystals and meditation sessions. Plus lots of magical content on her Instagram, which is at Blue Moon underscore spiritual. You can also find her website at www.bluemoonspiritual.com. Basically, she's the Mac Daddy of all things spiritual, and you need to follow her and book a reading. Hello, and welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast. And today's theme is child sexual exploitation. So before we start, I need to put a trigger warning on it. We are going to discuss everything related to child sexual abuse, child sexual exploitation, child trafficking. There will be some explicit conversation uh, if you do not uh, feel ready or able to listen. Switch off now. Absolute trigger warning. Um, But who I have with me today for this podcast are two extremely brilliant, fantastic professionals. One uh, who I've met before is Robin Watts. He is an uh, ex-Met Police child abuse investigation team detective. He's currently a trainer and an international consultant on child abuse and safeguarding. Robin, where can people find you if they want to... uh if they want to find, not just find you, if they, if they want to, like, bring you into their organisation to do all this stuff. Sounded you know?
1: a bit threatening, that, so, yeah. <laughs> um, if they uh, want to find me, just find me online. If you search for my name and you put in what you've just put in there, you'll find me quite... So if you uh,
0: just put Robin Watts, child sexual exploitation.
1: Uh, or d- child safeguarding consultant yeah in uh they can find me there email me at uh robin.whatsappbtinternet.com as well just uh, send me an email and ask me anything and if i have time and the ability i'll answer them
0: brilliant um robin taught me not everything i know but a lot of the things that i know i did uh, my abe which is achieving best evidence qualification with Robin he taught me how to uh, interview uh, vulnerable victims for uh, police and court interviews he's also trained me up on child sexual exploitation female genital mutilation so I owe a lot of my knowledge to this wonderful man and our second guest today is Claire who's also an ex-child abuse investigation team to- Detective for the Metropolitan Police, and is uh, currently an assistant head working in a school with children. Uh, so Claire has come to also give us the female perspective on working in child abuse investigation.
2: That's right. Hello. Hi.
0: <laughs> so. We've got lots to talk about today. As usual, I asked followers, uh, for their questions to be sent in, got absolutely loads. But I think a good place to start is for Robin and Claire to give us, uh, an idea. Let, Cause obviously for us, we're kind of starting at an already trained point. So I use terms like CSE, uh, and I'll use lots of acronyms and stuff, but actually we need to remember that this podcast, what we want to get out of it is for your everyday people, uh, um, people who are working in health people who are working in schools people who have children or have children around them we want them to be able to listen to this podcast and then be able to go out into their communities to make children safer um so we're, we're going to try and start on a bit of a basic level mm. so where where where's the best place to start
1: i always think at the beginning let's break this down and and uh, think of the three words so we've got the words child sexual exploitation. So I I thought really, first of all, to discuss what is a child within UK law. Um, So when we look at a child, the UK clearly states within law and conventions, like United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child, that a child is deemed someone under the age of 18. So not 18 years of age, as some people do think. So they're zero to uh, 17 years, three hundred and sixty. Four days? Yeah, <laughs> 65 or six. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, depending on the leap, yeah. But they are under the age uh, of 18. It does not, unfortunately, at the moment, include a child that's not been born yet. So, it, it, a child is deemed as when they've taken their first breath. Right. So, uh, but unfortunately, the exploitation can start pre-birth, but that's a very deep level, but we'll come maybe just touch on that. So first of all, that's child. Sorry,
0: can I just say on that point, because people might be thinking, well, what happens, you know, if I've got a a neighbour or a child or whatever, and I'm worried about them, and I think that they're being sexually exploited, but they've just turned 18, that doesn't mean... (laughs) It means it's not child sexual exploitation anymore, but they're still being sexually exploited and there still are routes to be able to help them. You could refer them to a vulnerable adults team. You can still report the matter to the police and you may even consider it to be domestic violence at that point rather than... CSE. Yeah. So there are there are still ways to help, but we're focusing on child. Yeah, because you've asked for today.
1: CSE. So we yeah. we concentrate on child, but yeah, the absolutely there. Never ignore anything because you don't think they fit a category. You always always report. You can always be told no, that's wrong. Mm. You know, so never don't be. That's a bit of a double negative there. Claire's going to tell me off. Um, so child. So the next one is sexual. What is sexual? And I find that some people really misunderstand what is sexual when it comes to sexual abuse so sexual to a lot of people is the actual physical touch of a sexual area of a let's say a child because we're talking about a child but of a person is a sexual act so it has to be a sort of a physical actual touch that is sexual abuse but it's far more wide-ranging than that so if I use this analogy, it may or may not work for some people. So I'm sort of looking at Claire now, and if I go up and stroke Claire's hair on her head, could that ever be construed as sexual abuse of Claire? So then sort of looking at Claire because I'm comfortable with her, and she's comfortable with me saying this as we know each other, um, if I then touch Claire's breasts without her consent, is that sexual or is that not? So I think a lot of people listening to this uh, would think that the first one, just stroking her hair without her consent, would not be sexual. But touching her breast without consent is sexual. So that's how they would probably see that. I could argue that I could swap that around and say that actually stroking her hair was the sexual abuse, but touching her breast without consent was not sexual abuse. So what I've got to come to to explain that and why I say that is a couple of Latin phrases you get taught when you become a detective, which is uh, mens rea and actus rea. Now, mens rea means guilty thought. Actus rea means guilty act. And you tend not to be able to have actus rea, guilty act, without a guilty thought, mens rea. So if I had a real sexual turn-on with Claire's hair, Her hair really sexually aroused me. And by stroking her hair, I got sexually aroused. I have potentially sexually abused her.
3: Mm.
1: However, Claire and I come up on the tube... And it wasn't crowded because of Corona, but let's just imagine it was a crowded train. And she's there. She's reading her book, the newspaper. She's standing by the doors. I want to get out of that tube. She just remains standing there. So I say very politely, excuse me. And she sort of leans back. I push past her to get out the tube. And whilst I push past her, my shoulder, my bicep, somewhere of my area there, touched her breast mm. yeah and i walked out and just went out i didn't even realize it but i have now touched her breast without consent yes mm. and she hasn't said oh by the way touch my breast on the way out i've done it but i did not have men's rea. right guilty thought therefore yep. the act of touching her breast without consent cannot be sexual abuse yes because i didn't intend to do it okay so we'll come to perpetrators later, because don't forget they'll use the law to get away with things. They'll mm. say, no, that was accidental. And mm. Claire and I have uh, sort of uh, interviewed many, many, many men who have said it was accidental, had no men's rear. So we use other uh, evidence to back that up. So sexual is any act that is sexual. Yeah. Whether it, it doesn't with sexual
0: act. intent. So yeah. I could accidentally poke you in the v- vulva yeah so just, just just you know i don't know in what kind of context i could but you know if we were at a party or something and i was talk. dancing yeah. wildly yeah. just because it's your genital area doesn't mean it's sexual abuse if i did it purposely intentionally because that i was trying to exert control or because that was turning me on that's when it
2: becomes sexual yeah. abuse or yeah assault. it's the intent yeah. behind it and you, you discover intent by learning about the whole context of the whole situation what happened, what was said, what happened just before people's body language. But yeah, just the action alone may not be yeah. sexually motivated.
1: Yeah, so and accidents like that happen all the time. Yeah, and, you know, on lifts, I, I remember being on a course that uh, i've delivered to you in the past and one social worker said he was talking to somebody he was holding these swing doors open behind him for people behind suddenly he let go the door by accident the door was going to swing right in the face of the people behind so he went back to grab it and got a handful of breast Mm. uh so that would not be sexual abuse unless he left his hand on there for five minutes Mm. then perhaps we could uh, change our thought process yeah um so sexual touch yes so um the touching of uh, sexual areas, of course, but also don't forget sexual abuse. So, if Claire is now, let's imagine her to be a seventeen-year-old, under eighteen, I'm saying, as a child, uh, and I'm in the other side of her, I'm at, there's uh, about six foot between us, something like that. So, if I started to masturbate at her, would that be sexual abuse? i have not touched her, yeah, but it is yeah. so. It doesn't have to always be touch, mm. so it can be an action with or towards a child yeah. that is sexual. So um, it was uh, the two even th-
0: words. So even words. If yeah. it's
1: sexual and it can be construed as a sexual act, then yes, but yeah. that that would be a little bit more complex. So
0: you wouldn't have to be masturbating, but you could say, to, or a man could say to the child, "You make me hard." That's yeah, yeah. It, that's a ca- sexual a abuse. One is
2: someone that brings up somebody, one of those phone calls, and they talk about acts perhaps that they'd like they'd like to perform on the person and yeah that that would be deemed to be sexually abusing that person yeah
1: yeah and then so we don't we're getting further away now claire's actually now in australia
2: Mm -hmm.
1: can i sexually abuse her there is it well yeah of course i can so with the wonderful you know zoom uh google what chat is it? Oh, I don't keep up with all these. And then Microsoft Teams, Skype, yeah. FaceTime, all that kind of thing. So we could actually do, a, uh, you know, if I saw her live on there and I did a sexual act with it or made her do it, etc., cetera, that sexual abuse. And then, of course, sending uh, and receiving sexual images. So, mm-hmm. so it's very, what I'm trying to say with sexual abuse, it's very, very wide-ranging. It's not just a matter of going up to a child and touching a, a sexual part of them. It's far more... Uh, complex and far wider than that will be Um, and all areas that we can exploit so Claire in uh, in uh, Australia I could exploit her yeah you know yeah groomer exploiter and things like that and when you said about um, initially that I'm sitting and I'm talking about you make me hard and turning me on well that would be a grooming aspect again which is a criminal offense Mm -hmm. if if you're trying to groom a child for sexual purposes or to meet for sexual purposes Um, so that I I think in pretty layman's but for people really look at the sexual uh, sexes offences act of 2003 and it gives you all the areas there because even the age of consent in the uh, UK is 16 isn't it yeah so we have to think about a lot of countries are very different so I work a lot in the Middle East I work a lot in the UAE, Kuwait, Jordan, Saudi Arabia places like that well, there is no age of consent there. You cannot have any sexual acts with a person unless you're married. Right. Full stop. And what is
0: there an age for marriage? Age
1: limit? Depends on where you are. But some are quite low, yeah. So it can be. So you could be married at 13, 14. Mm. Uh, other countries, you can be married in some parts of India, don't forget. There was a six-year-old girl that was married. Wow. So depending on where. Mexico, for example, has quite a low age of consent. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think about Brazil
0: does as well. It's yeah. about 13, I think.
1: And then states in America, different states, different laws, different yeah. ages. So it's it's all, but let's just, I suppose, concentrate on the UK. The UK, but what is, is 16 is consent. But what is consent now? Mm. Really is another big aspect here and has to come into CSE about what consent is um and how consent is given and whether it's freely given and things like that um so there's the age of consent however all your listeners and you and claire and i do we know that children aged 14 15 have sex Mm. they do don't they yeah we did have i don't know if we still have we had one of the highest underage pregnancies in europe yeah so um every potentially every girl that went to give birth under the age of 16 has committed a criminal action should be arrested shouldn't she well if we're gonna be yeah yeah but that didn't happen did it and the reason that didn't happen very clear advice from the home office and things like that was what we had to prove is is whether the sex was with somebody of a similar age-ish yeah uh it was very consensual so it's
0: always going to be an offense if the the girl is 14 and the boy is over 16 or vice versa no no
1: no, it will always be an Over offense 18. if you're going to talk about black and white. Yeah, it's always going to be an offense So she and he may have committed a criminal offense because yeah. She cannot engage in sex activity under the age. if the the boy then is is seen to coerce force trick trap Yeah, con the girl into having sex. Yeah, then he will be guilty. She will not be quite rightly. Yeah. Yeah But if they're quite close um, in ages then the courts and the CPS may not deem it right to criminalise.
0: It would rarely even get to that stage, would yeah, it? In most, right. in most of my experience, if we had two teenagers, and, and both of them were like, yeah, well, we both wanted to have sex. Yeah. It, it would never even, go, we, it wouldn't even really get to the past. And, the it, and it very much police.
2: depends on the specifics of that particular circumstance, because you could have an incident where the CPS do choose to, Prosecute. So for example, if you had a 14 year old girl and a 15 year old boy, but the 14 year old girl had quite severe learning disabilities mm. or in some way there was some sort of power dynamic of that girl, then that casts a whole different complexion on it. Yeah. So really, when the CPS lo- look at a case, they will look at the specifics of that case. They, they ca- just cannot be with a whole nuance of the range of human behaviours and circumstances. There can't be one yeah, rule that covers all but
0: that's more above 13 right under 13 Absolutely. we're actually talking about children and consent is just never yeah. a, a, even yeah. a thing under 13 you cannot consent
1: and please people listen to what was said there under 13 because some people think it's including 13 it's not mm. it's 0 to 12 so 0 to 12 a child cannot consent yeah so rape is uh, an entry a partial entry of a penis into a vagina anus mm. and mouth without consent well, a 0 to 12 year old cannot consent. So, a penis goes into v- vagina, anus, or mouth, it's rape. Yeah. Sure. And you cannot not investigate, as a double negative there, you must always investigate rape. Yeah. So, uh, a 12 year old girl having consensual sex by words, yes, you can have sexual intercourse with me, is not consenting. Therefore, it is rape. Uh, and don't forget to, what I did say there rape is the entry or partial entry of a penis. So, a female cannot commit rape
0: in the eyes of the law. Yeah. However, many boys may have felt that they have been raped by women because yeah. of things that have happened to them, which are akin to rape and as traumatic as rape. However, in British law, it has to be the insertion of a penis for it to be counted as rape. Yeah. And is it sexual assault if it's anything else?
1: It depends on what's happened. So, again, if a female, let's say, this, let's just flip that, a female onto a male victim. Puts a finger, an implement, a pen, anything, a sexual toy inside a boy's penis uh, without his consent. Or or, or bum. Did I say? Yeah, I said that wrong. Into his anus. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, um, Puts uh, something like that into his anus. Then um, that is a law of penetration. So either sections two or section six of the Sexual Offences Act, depending on his age. uh, Then that covers the same penalty as rape still life imprisonment mm-hmm. exactly the same seriousness but a different offense right. rape is always by a male so females can be charged so if a female holds down a child to enable a man to rape then she's just as culpable yeah but she can't commit the act without a man right. of right does that sort of make sense yeah
0: but yeah. she's but there are laws which would ensure that she was treated as mm. seriously as him yeah. even if it wasn't rape that she's being convicted of
1: the only thing that history and um statistical evidence proves is she will not be as punished as much as a male would they always get lower penalties seems
0: that's interesting i just read Mm. a book by helena kennedy uh called miss justice how the law is failing british women it's a great book i think you both really enjoy it and she's a qc been around for a long time um and she talks about how you know um all, all the different areas in which women are kind of judged differently and when you get your rose wests and your myra hindley's they are viewed very differently by the public and the courts to Fred West and, what was his name? Brady. Ian Brady. Ian Brady. Because people just don't expect women to absolutely. do this. Mm. People hold women to a, to a higher account. They kind of go, oh, well, men, we know they're weird. So, but women, how's a woman doing this? And they actually tend to face the wrath mm, even absolutely. more. Yep.
1: Public I mean, wrath. they should, but yeah. yeah. Um, however, what does that then tell you about the public's perception of female abusers? That we don't look for it so much. Yeah. So, do they get away with it more is a question. I'm going to leave that hanging there. I haven't got the answer. But is it it that because we think that females are safe? So, a lot of people out there I've listened to and spoken to and been shouted at by um, have said that they'll never ever want a male in a nursery or a kindergarten or somewhere like that Mm. because males working in that area are paedophiles and they'll sexually abuse. I don't worry about a female being mm. one-to-one and then what happened in little Ted's nursery in Plymouth and things yeah. like that,
0: you know, so. Oh, that was just a grim story, wasn't it? <clears throat> but I mean, I think it's sort of, I mean, certainly in, in my career and, and everything that I've, I've, I've learned, yes, women do sexually abuse. There's absolutely no doubt about that, but it is on a much smaller scale. Um, so, so, so I think that is why it does become shocking. Mm. Um, Shocking, yeah.
1: Um, But, yeah, looking at sentences, it seems to be lower for some reason. I don't know why, especially when it's, you know, even like things like professionals, teachers. Uh, The male teacher will tend to get a, a... a higher penalty than a female teacher I don't know if that's because of power I don't know we think men again are more...
0: I wonder it because there is this, this tends to be this sense of you know so if a male teacher and a 15 year old student for example female student people will see how abusive that is and 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 how potentially traumatic that's going to be for the 15 year old girl after she's been groomed whereas people have this attitude towards Mm. teenage boys that if it's a 25 year old teacher and a 15 year old boy get in there lad you lost your virginity i do
2: do see signs of that changing but slowly and i think that's still out there Mm. yeah Mm. i agree yeah it's Mm.
0: weird isn't it
2: sad
1: okay so uh, where have we gone we've gone what is cse so we've done a child and then sexual abuse very complex area but I don't want anybody to ever be hung up about, is it, isn't it? Just report it. Yeah. Just say, I'm worried about this and take advice, phone up, speak to your police. A lot of social workers know what it is as well, and they can discuss it. So let's then go on to exploitation. And in the purposes of the law within the UK, I'm going to read now the definition within uh, the government advice. So uh, this was written when February 2017... So the definition of child sexual exploitation is as follows. Child sexual exploitation is a form of sexual abuse. It occurs when individual or group takes advantage of an imbalance of power to coerce, manipulate or deceive a child or young person under the age of 18 into sexual activity A in exchange for something the victim needs or wants and or for financial advantage or increased status of the perpetrator or facilitator. The victim may have been sexually exploited even if the sexual activity appears consensual. Child sexual exploitation does not always involve physical contact. It can occur through the use of technology. So that's how the government want us to look at child sexual exploitation um i think all child sex abuse personally coming out of that definition and the government wouldn't be happy with me but i think all child sex abuse is cse mm. The child they're a sexual if the act is sexual and they've been exploited whether it's the father grandfather priest teacher anyone that has sexually abused a child um, has exploited their vulnerabilities so yeah. uh, that, but that's a personal view which You know, the government don't hold. So they hold that you have to have either an exchange for something the victim needs or wants, Mm. or um, the perpetrator needs to have kudos and look at me, look what I can do, and things like that. That that makes them look bigger, stronger, better kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is why it's
0: used quite often around sort of gangs and gang initiation
1: and. Yeah. um, And uh, yeah, so. It, it's still an area that uh, Troubles me So um,
0: But there is a quite You know there There is a sort of Stark different I agree with you actually That any child Who's been sexually abused Has been exploited Even if it isn't In that more You know I don't mean traditional I don't know what the right word is but you know in 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 this way uh you know the the distinction for us as social workers was very much that exploitation and abuse are different and what categorizes exploitation is the fact that there is some kind of uh power dynamic at play which again is always a, a feature in sexual abuse but it's as a result of you know trying to gain something so um you know they'll be an exchange you know they'll buy mobile phones for the girls and then they'll suggest that they have to have sex with their friend because now you owe them for the mobile but you know it tends to be more that yeah. rather than like yeah, the interfamilial is, family abuse
2: I I I think everyone would agree that every child that's been abused sexually abused has been exploited but I think it's it's just a specific type of abuse so it's about categorization isn't yeah. it about because there might be a slightly different approach to this type of abuse that there might be to other types of abuse. Yeah. I think the
0: signs might... I mean, some of the signs, the signs of sexual trauma and abuse are going to be the same or very similar across victims. But I think Mm. there will be some specific signs around CSE that would be different to somebody who was being abused by a a grandparent or something Mm. I think we should still talk about the science and stuff for both, but I think they're going to be different.
2: And I I think also there's some specific implications for the victim by the fact that they have got something out of the abuse. Mm. So there's some, some specific ways that that can affect their psychology and how they feel about themselves post post abuse happening, which perhaps we'll come back to later.
0: Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's important, isn't it? Especially, um, and I think there's a lot of I mean, there's blame, I think, in all forms of abuse, sexual abuse, CSE. Um, but again, I think a lot of because of that feeling of it being consensual, well, I did agree to have sex with yes. his friend because of this, or I felt I had to give something in return. Yeah, yes. it, it I agree is. to it
2: because I knew I was getting a mobile phone. Yeah, can, lef- can leave a child and that's what we're talking about talking about children here with with those feelings of i bought this on myself i'm i'm at fault it's not them it was me i chose this yeah which is which is wrong
1: yeah Mm. i want to come back to that in a minute as well it's sort of their fault um because it is unfortunately said quite a lot i want to know really wanted to talk about the vulnerability of children and and how vulnerabilities occur and happen and I've sort of went through this with Claire, and she quite liked this sort of analogy, I suppose, is the best way of putting it the bubble. Yeah,
2: yeah, so, yeah. So,
1: um, say I've got a daughter. Um, you could imagine how I would uh, treat uh, my son or daughter, but just for my purposes at the moment, I've got the daughter, got a young daughter. And as far as I want now is I want to put a bubble of protection around her. So if you can imagine a small girl and she's in a big soap bubble and that bubble I want to be stretched out tight. That's my bubble of protection. To get at her, you've got to burst that bubble. You've got to get into that bubble to get her. If you can't get in the bubble, you can't get her. So how do I keep that bubble of protection out tight? How do I make sure that... That she can live a normalish life and be safe uh, or have the tools, the equipment, the knowledge to keep herself safe, so for example, so she, at the age of three four, asked the question about how was I made, how was I brought into this world, etc. I would then um, probably get her mother to do this is talk to her all about um, Sex and I wouldn't want that the stalk brought you an FBU behind the gooseberry bush I would need her to know in a child-friendly description what sex is Mm. and why we have sex and it creates a family and everything like that And actually it's a good thing and it's a creation tool and it's you know That kind of thing and and not make it dirty horrible snidey all that just a very factual This is what that is So then that accepted I would then want to speak to her about things like wording and things like that like what we brought mummy for her birthday now that is a surprise we don't call it a secret if people try to put secrets onto children. They can sometimes be quite sinister. So you always must tell a trusted adult when somebody says this is our secret, just to confirm, is that a secret with a trusted adult? I would then want my little girl to tell me at least five trusted adults in her life, at least five. So mummy, daddy, nanny, granddad, teacher, you know, head teacher, a a trusted neighbour, an older sibling, etc. somebody like that that is a trusted adult that they can go through. But what if my daughter then come back to me and said, "Uh, uh, oh yeah, then I would want to talk about uh, her, her sexual areas. So the, as a lot of people would know, the NSPCC use something called the pants rule. I sort of like the swimming costume wall a little bit better because then girls, as they're growing up and developing, find out they've got the top and the bottom to think about as sexual objects. So, um, is that your swimming costume, wherever you wear your swimming costume is your own private area and nobody but nobody can touch you there, speak about it, want to see it, remark about it or anything like that without one of those five trusted adults knowing about that. So, say my daughter said something words to the effect of me, but a doctor can touch me there, Daddy. I would say no, sweetheart. A doctor can't touch you there unless daddy mummy a trusted adult is there and knows about it so not even a doctor can touch it i would then say to a sweetheart if daddy ever touches you there you know you must tell mummy and if mummy ever touches you there you must tell daddy if your older brother ever touches you there you must tell mummy or daddy etc so even saying the trusted adults we should always say those kind of things so you can see what i'm trying to do is that bubble i'm trying to keep that bubble out tight let them know i think Knowledge is power for children and we don't always give them that power. So she's got that kind of knowledge. I would then be a little bit harsh, perhaps for some parents would think I'm a little bit too strict. So no, you cannot be on the internet after say nine pm, eight thirty pm, whatever time, it doesn't really matter. You can't at the age of ten play Grand Theft Auto Five. It's an eighteen game, so you can't do that. No, you can't watch you know, um, Game of Thrones at your age, because that can be quite pornographic, can not it? So it's keeping that kind of bubble of protection out uh, as well from that kind of area. So people know that they can't contact her or bully her at two in the morning. She'll have her phone off. The Mm. the Wi-Fi will be turned off at that time. That kind of thing. So that bubble of protection is out tight. I'm going to flip this now. So there's my daughter, but I'm an alcoholic. I don't really worry I worry more about getting my drink than I do my little girl Mum is a bit of a drug addict she's a bit erratic she's this that and the other we don't care about her on the internet we don't care about her uh, going out I'm going to show my age now being the latchkey kid you know who can go out and she can go out whatever time but as long as you you know, come in at a reasonable time Her brother has been suspected of abusing her in the past. It was dealt with but just dismissed, you know, that kind of thing. All these things we just rather laissez-faire about with her and things like that. Now imagine that bubble. It's got big dents in it, hasn't it? That's her vulnerabilities. Mm. So when we then would go on to talk about perpetrator, how does a perpetrator gain access to a child without the child go running to the police, the authorities, saying that this is happening? How do they get to them and be able to manipulate them and exploit them without them in it so quickly going to that? So what perpetrators will do, will explore vulnerabilities of children. They probe the bubble of the children they're standing in front of. So they're probing all around. So with my daughter, they may ask, so where's your dad now oh he'll be later he'll be down the pub he's always down the pub never see him he's always down there. what about mum well she's probably spaced out on the sofa having taken a bit of drugs or something like that um so what games do you play have you got an internet yeah yeah what oh i'm on it all the time well doesn't your mum and dad ever lay you up? no 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 i'm allowed if you want to contact me you contact me at two in the morning kind of thing you see how they're probing the bubble they're getting that access and then that child may want something that we're not giving them. So the parents would not be giving her love, attention, stability, emotional warmth, all that you were taught on the assessment, you know, all those years ago, all that kind of stuff. They won't be giving her that. So that's where the perpetrators are exploiting. They're, they're going to give what the parents aren't giving, perhaps. So they'll give them a bit of warmth, emotional stability, stability. You know, her phone, she dropped it the other day and it just went straight on the face and it smashed the screen. You can hardly see anything. So when she's on Instagram, TikTok, whatever you go on these days kind of thing, she can hardly see it. She will. I will see that phone. Or the perpetrator will see that phone. Then give them that, what they don't want. Maybe, do you fancy a spliff? Maybe. What about a line of coke? Why don't you just pop in there and just nick that for take that off the shelf you know that close yeah i'll get that for you why would we involve children in criminality why mm. would people do that mm. you've got that hook haven't you well yeah. if you tell anyone i'll yeah. tell him you stole that i tell him you do coke i tell him you, you smoke drugs it's
0: incredibly common isn't it yeah. to make young people commit crimes so yeah. that then they feel like fuck i i can't tell anybody because i'm yeah. um, I'm going
1: to go to prison or yeah. 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 So they, so they use all that, but they give them something they want. So for the first time, that girl has got somebody who she now feels wrongly, unfortunately likes her, even loves Mm. her and is giving her that attention. And yes, I will let him put my, his hands down my bra or down my pants and do this, that, and the other. I will let him do this, that, and the other. And then he will get her more deeply involved, more deeply involved, more deeply involved until she gets past that, point of no return because that bubble all the areas have been so exploited now with her she is being hook line sinker in so she cannot retract so then he may think you know everything i've done for you you need to do things for me now and that's where probably friends come in and things Apparently like that. And without
2: without a model because really when you when you grow up and become a parent you, you're not really taught. No, no one goes out and teaches you how to be a parent, but, but you are. You're taught that by your parents. And so by showing love and affection and care and warmth, you are actually teaching the children, although it doesn't feel like you're teaching it. You're, you're, you're wanting to be that way with your child or, or showing healthy relationships by relationships where, of course, you're going to argue, um, but you resolve them peacefully. You, you re- possibly not always peacefully, yeah. but you, re- you resolve them in a non-abusive way mm. and so you, you meet some sort of resolution you're actually mod- modeling for your children what healthy relationships are but the child that i think you've just described hasn't had that model mm. and so this this is moving towards that kind of idea of consent and the victim blaming without that without that model how does the child know yeah that actually this is wrong how could they begin to understand something which they just don't recognize they've never seen all. and
0: actually it's very interesting because research shows that there's a massive crossover between domestic violence so young people and children who are vulnerable to sexual abuse and child sexual exploitation are very often grown up in violent yeah. or abusive households and that's exactly what we well, are saying they
2: haven't had that model like, yeah. that's, that's what happens that you've possibly not seen an alternative
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's It's unfortunate. I read some research because there's... I'm going off topic a little bit for uh, for just a few seconds. Um, I I kept on hearing as a trainer, as a consultant, that there's this circle of abuse, the abused child can an abuser. I don't believe in that. I believe it, because it can happen. uh, But for the majority of children that are abused in childhood, do not go on abuse, and Mm. that we do them a great disservice by saying that circle of abuse. However, when um, lockdown started, so... Um, I sort of spoke to Claire at that time, and we both went, "Oh no," because yeah. of the families being together, domestic <laughs> violence increasing. We we knew it initially; it's going to happen, and because mm. Christmas is a bad time for children, you know, it's with domestic violence increases and things like that. So and World Cup, yeah, that, that yeah. yeah, yeah, absolute Euros, World Cup, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. So. <clears throat> where am I going with domestic violence and the circle of abuse? I read some research. Well, I have not got at my fingertips now, so we'll have to treat it as I've read it and I don't know where it is, and so you can discredit it. So, <laughs> so But I did read this, that a boy who witnessed his father commit domestic violence on his mother, 56% of those will go on and do the same type of violence to their partner. Mm. so they then the circle of abuse does work when it comes to domestic violence well then if that male has witnessed all that kind of thing actually as a perpetrator now he may have some mitigation in that if it's true that he witnessing his father be a violent nasty person has created him to be that if he didn't witness that he might have been a nice lad kind of thing so there's even the young perpetrators may have reasons and we can look mm. at i suppose all those years ago with the uh, the uh, boys that killed jamie bulger yeah. and things like that oh. and, you know and yeah. how, how things anyway so I, th- I
0: think it's i think it's important to make a point yeah i think that not everyone who is abused will grow up to be an abuser but a large amount of abusers grew up with abuse yeah um but i also think it's really important to make the point because sometimes <coughs> women or men, uh, anyone who are are in abusive relationships, when they see where it came from, it can tend to make them want to stay longer because they have that desire to fix that broken child. Um, So I think whilst we should um, have great empathy and understanding for why somebody, you know, if someone is violent now and it's because that's all they knew in childhood, then, you know, massive... Um, you know we should have an understanding of that, but I don't think that that understanding should necessarily extend to us going just stay and trying to you know mm. try and fix it it's still you still have to walk away from it absolutely
3: um especially absolutely.
0: because now we've seen what it can do to your children so yeah, yeah. if you have children and you are in an abusive relationship, it is imperative that you get out of that and don't yeah. stay trying to fix that person because it's unlikely to work
1: yeah yeah absolutely, but then it's it's difficult then for. Victims that have been brought up in such a circumstance and perpetrators that have been brought up in such a circumstance, they tend to fit together. Yeah. And, and the victim finds it very difficult to form a relationship with a non-abusing partner. They find that quite, quite so difficult. They associate love with yeah. chaos,
0: volatility, turbulence.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because that's all they know. Yeah. So, so they sometimes appear to some professionals, let's say the police, um, as a victim who always puts themselves in that problem. Yeah. You know, they could have walked away, but they don't, and they don't understand why that could be such a case. But something else I, I, I just want to talk about before we sort of go a further step on this is I uh, was forced into uh, child abuse investigation. I didn't want to do it. It was a, a directive. Um, and quickly, as you probably know now, became quite passionate about child abuse and the vulnerability of children and them being such an unequal partner in society on this kind of thing and they do need some adult understanding and help but I could never understand why children took so long to report abuse I just didn't understand that as a very lay person within children all those years ago we're talking about mid-90s now a long time ago and I couldn't understand my very first case was an allegation of rape to a nine-year-old girl and when I interviewed her, she explained to me that she'd been raped for two years since she was seven. Well, why didn't you tell somebody at the age of seven? Well, on the onset of that was my sort of thought that never came out of my mouth. But why didn't you tell someone? And then my next case was the same. And it was like two years again. And then it was another one It was like 18 months, three years. Another one and I got allocated historical cases from 20 years ago. Why didn't you tell anybody all those years ago? So now what I thought from my very first victim was just a strange case of a victim not reporting for whatever reasons became normal all victims of sexual abuse and physical abuse and neglect as well but stick with sexual abuse at the moment did not immediately disclose they allowed it to go on for some time before a trigger or something made them report it either court hands-on doing the act or that there's a trigger to disclose so why is that why, why do the vast majority of children, in fact, never report it, actually, but why do the vast majority of children who do report abuse wait so long? And I found a piece of research that began to answer, hasn't wholly answered, but it's began to answer some questions for me. And this is by an American called Roland Summit, who entitled something called Child Sex Abuse Accommodation Syndrome. And he says when a child is sexually abused, they go through five stages during that abuse. And the first one is secrecy. Now, we haven't got time to go through each one of these five in detail, but why would a child on the first part of this syndrome uh, keep child sex abuse secret? Well, so thinking about CSE, why would this 14-year-old, 13-year-old girl keep it secret from her care home manager from her mother from her father from her whoever she's living with and then you have to think why would she keep it a secret so because she's been involved in this crime drug taking this she enjoys it she's actually got attention now she etc. all these things will stop her doing that so secrecy is the first one you know the power imbalance is a big thing as well with kids and why they don't report it the next one is on, is, is helplessness. So what children don't report and, and go through a great feeling of helplessness. They can't stop it. So no option is left than to continue uh, with this because they're helpless. Well, helpless is very easy when we think of a baby being sexually abused, a young toddler being sexually abused, unfortunately. Um, they are totally physically helpless, aren't they? But then so is the teenage child helpless because what if it is dad what if it is brother that sheer authoritarian relationship what if it is the priest or that teacher that no one else will believe that that teacher would ever do that no teacher is going to admit to it because of all the uh, ramifications for them professionally etc prison all that so they're always going to blame it on the child anyway they're going to get that so they become helpless in that there's lots of other reasons as well by this the third category is accommodation and entrapment So they then began using accommodation patterns uh, whilst they were entrapped in this abuse. So we then learned to cope with that uh, and and deal with that. I remember interviewing one girl, bless her, who said to me that Dad came into her room and she went riding horses. And I said, no, we'll we'll talk about riding horses later. Yeah, that's important to you. But what I want to know now is, so Daddy came into your room, then what happened? Because as you know, as you've been trained by me, we need everything, don't we, for, for balance of proof on this so um she just said well i went riding horses well, no honestly we can talk about that later and then she told me off when i said it she said i was riding horses so what i've got now is a girl who's been raped by her father telling me that her dad's coming into her room and in her mind she's riding horses mm. so where's my evidence for the court but what do i do with that girl do i decry her and say you're just nothing but a fool no, that's her coping. That's the third category, entrapment. So they began coping mechanisms. They have imaginary companions, altered states of consciousness. They disassociate. Mm. We all know how to disassociate, don't we? Mm. How many times have we done it? How many times have we driven or walked from one part of another and said, how the hell did I get here? Robin, yeah.
2: I, I, I use it when I go to the dentist. Oh, I was just yeah. thinking that. Yeah, I sit there and think about sort of happy thoughts and yeah. because I, I hate the experience of being at the dentist yeah. Yeah, and the pain. Yeah. Let,
1: let me come back to that. that Drive so I was disassociating in my car between point A and point A on a map, B on a map. Something happens. I wouldn't have seen that, would I? Because I'm disassociating. I'm miles away, mm. absolutely miles away in my head. I've just won the lottery, 111 million pounds is in my bank, and I'm spending it. You know, <laughs> so so that's all this is going on in my head. My number plate is caught on CCTV because something happened between those journeys. The police come around and interview me. What am I going to say to them? Mm. I don't know, I didn't see any. Your car's there, you could be seen. Look, by the CCTV, it's you in the car. Of course you were there, of course you can see it. You're nothing but a liar. Mm. You just don't want to get involved in court. No, I didn't see it. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, so that area, entrapment, accommodation. Then the third one is unconvincing disclosures. So mm. let's take another real case of, of mine. Is a girl is having a row with her mother over washing up. She didn't do the washing up. They're having a blazing row, and it goes into those... Rows always start from something stupid, don't they? Um, And she says another thing. Grandad, her mum's dad, has been touching me. Mum then slapped her around the face. Uh, What a cheap trick to pull, to Mm. say that in the middle of a row over washing up. They went to bed that night, none of them slept that well. Mum then spoke to her the next morning and said, you know what you said about grandad, is that true? And she said, sorry, mum, but it is, yes. And then grandad was arrested, interviewed, fully admitted. So it was all a real thing. But what a bad time to disclose. Mm. And that's when I found children tended to do that in an inopportune... Or, or, as Claire, being a teacher, will know, very much from a drawing, a play, an art. Mm. You know, one of, tell them about your snail.
2: Oh, yes. God, this is from several, several years ago. When um, it started... It, there was a child and their parents were separated. And... Um, It was a very, very vigilant teacher because the child had drawn a snail and then said, oh, how come you've drawn it? Oh, daddy, daddy made a snail. Daddy made a snail on me. And the teacher, you would forgive being a teacher myself, you'd sort of forgive a teacher for kind of like moving on and thinking, oh, that's that's nice. Maybe they played outside in the back garden. This is where professional curiosity is really important because that teacher didn't just think that, just thought that's a bit of a strange comment. So asked a follow up question, you know, what what do you mean? And what she actually was talking about, she didn't have the vocabulary to express at the age of I don't know, seven or eight. It was a long time ago. But she was talking about him ejaculating into her hand. That's what it turned out to be. Mm. And if it it really, I I credit that teacher because as we know, and as Robin has been talking about, disclosures are very few and far between for a a variety of the reasons you've just said. And if it wasn't for that teacher, we couldn't have protected that child, which is ultimately what we were trying to do. There's
1: actually far more disclosures than we know.
2: Well, what I always used to find incredibly
0: frustrating about disclosures was that they would come usually to schools um, or some kind of trusted professional. A a child would say something um, or admit it in some way that something had been happening. And then the process is that, that social services are informed. We then contact child abuse investigation team, social worker and a police officer go out with their size nines sit with a child usually in the school setting normally not until the end of the day so then there's this panicky situation that happens where mum gets told you can't collect your child right now uh your child's just made a disclosure then so you've got mum distressed in reception child can sometimes hear that social worker and police officer are here like hi we're social workers and police forget the fact that you've been told by your abuser over and over and over again that social workers are going to remove you and take you to evil foster care if you say anything and the police are your sworn enemies which is particularly true if children are from black or ethnic minority families particularly black families who have such an awful time with the police so it's often quite right yeah. that they've been taught to be wary of the police um You know, we're there uh, going, so what happened? What did you say? Uh, You you told your teacher that, you know, obviously we wouldn't quite say it like that. We're trained. Um, And then the children don't say anything. And then you've got, you know, the length of a section 47 investigation, which is 35 working days to try to engage this child enough, usually in the school setting or the family home, to get them to trust you enough to make a disclosure. I mean, and what we know about sexual abuse and CSE is that it can take two years, sometimes longer, but, but around two years for them to feel safe and comfortable to make that yeah. disclosure. And where they there right, we've got seven weeks to get this disclosure, come on. Uh, and then they don't give it. And then it, I've been in many, uh, i dealt with many cases where I have known that this child has been sexually abused. I've known who who's done it. But I can't do anything about it because there's not enough evidence in terms of the law. And if there's not enough evidence for the police to get it to CPS, I can't do anything. Um... And then you just have to watch that child go back into that situation, hopefully with closer monitoring from schools, health and and whatever. But we can't make expecting children to give disclosures just like that is. Mm.
2: Yeah. When when every prophecy that their abuser has made is coming true around them, that actually they're they're not allowed to go to their parents. I mean, when Robin was talking earlier about um, when children always not disclosing, I just it just took me back to being in a kitchen um when i was a, a a police officer in child abuse investigation and sitting with a woman who was in her 60s telling me it was her father that had abused her who was still alive at that time telling me that i was the first person she'd ever told
0: um, yeah it says it all doesn't it and there's so many i mean that's so interesting what you spoke about one of the other things that um is is you, you kind of touched on it as well is is this feeling of guilt of sometimes enjoying it sometimes Mm. sexual abuse and and it's very difficult for people to cope with this if they're if you know as a concept but sometimes sexual abuse feels quite nice Mm. it feels quite nice sometimes children have orgasms doesn't mean it's okay for it to happen doesn't mean that they're consenting but sometimes one of the problems with going you know reporting it as abuse is that they are ashamed and guilty and upset about the fact that actually they enjoyed some of it
2: when actually their body's only responding in a way that your body is born to do yeah nerve endings yeah, you know exactly. rather than
0: yeah. you being complicit or to, to blame for it in any way
1: it goes deeper than that which I, I may just touch on in a minute but just to finish off with this because this works nicely to the last one so we've had secrecy the child keeps it secret they're helpless doing this you know when they've got to do this you you mentioned something before but a line-up you know, when this child's got to do uh, all sex on six men on a lineup. Mm. What makes them do that? That kind of thing. So that helplessness, they were helpless, they had to do that. They then become entrapped and they accommodate that. Then I said that they make a, an unconvincing disclosure, whether it be a drawing, a nod, a, a just a throwaway comment and something like that, or in a big blazing row, something like that. Then the last one is retraction. Mm. Now, retraction is one that bothers me. And it troubles me as an ex sort of professional in the sort of still am a professional, but in a different guise. Retraction. So he says that the vast majority of the vast minority of children who disclose will retract the allegation and say it didn't happen. I was mad at dad. Mm. He was horrible to me. He was there. So I thought I'd make up this allegation of him touching me uh, for revenge. Now. I've forgotten where you worked, and it doesn't matter where you worked, to be honest. But I know as a social worker, you would have been uh, extraordinarily busy, wouldn't you? Caseload mm. well above what you should be. Yeah. You should never be allocated more than 13 cases as a social worker. We had 50 sometimes. Yeah. So you can't cope. You're what we're calling spinning plates, aren't you? Mm. And I, as a police officer, shouldn't have had more than 13 open investigations. I had hundreds. Not hundreds at any one time, mm. but 40 sometimes in the morning I'd go into. And so you're spinning plates. You then get a child come into you and say, It didn't happen, I want to retract it. What would you say as a professional? And what would your manager say to you? Mm. Oh, that's good because we can get rid of that one we'll and allocate yeah. you another case that's waiting. So, us as professionals accept retractions too easily for mm. me because children now, so what Claire was saying there quite rightly, all those prophecies are coming true. The family did split up. Dad did get put in prison, or whatever, or this perpetrator in CSE, you know, this lovely 35-year-old boyfriend did get mm. this, that, and that happened. I was being interviewed. I didn't want to answer these questions. Uh, Life's not fun anymore. You know, I'm in a bit of a lockdown at the, the home. My phone's been taken away, all internet contacts. Oh, etc. I'm just making this up as I'm going along. But all these things are working. So some carers, and this is known for mums as well, unfortunately, shout the click, kids. Why did you do this? Why can you bring this disgrace on the family? Why don't he wouldn't do things. He's not like that. Why can't you just withdraw? And then we can get back to normal and normal family. What does that mean? So the child has no option but to retract. And us professionals, we like a retraction because it's one of our caseload. Mm-hmm. I know that's a bit harsh and that's not all professionals in all areas of the country, but it, it can be a reason why. I would always say that any retraction from a child shouldn't be written up in a way that it didn't happen it's just written up that that this stage the child does not want to pursue and it's unsure whether it happened or not. not not that it didn't happen and that's sort of for me on later life because i had a case where the child retracted then it came clear it was continuing and happened again But what do the defence lawyers say in court? Mm. You've said this before and retracted it and said it was a lie. This is a lie too. And it just adds to the defence arsenal. And so, and
2: Robin, even if it doesn't go that far, because I've actually had this real experience in school of a child talking to another member of staff on the brink of saying something that's making them unhappy at home and then saying, I don't want to tell you now. And having to speak to that staff member and say, that is a disclosure. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a disclosure. I know you don't have any detail, but capture that because actually, this may be the only chance we get with this child. This will allow us to give them that time, allow it to raise those alarm bells with other professionals so we can really focus on that child and keep that child, observe that child yeah. and take right. greater professional curiosity on that child. Right.
0: You often get, I, I would often get referrals from schools which were kind of loaded in terms of the teacher's perception of that child. So so sometimes you would get a referral hmm. where the teacher would say, well, this child's made this disclosure, but she is known as a bit of a liar. Um,
1: Jasmine Beckford. Yeah.
0: Is, is that what happened in the Beckford Jasmine Bedford
1: case. Mm. Um, I'm sure I may have got that name wrong because I was on the spot there, but it's, but there is, there is beyond Blame. Oh, sorry. Beyond blame. Uh, if you can still get that book, it, it outlines a lot of cases with serious case reviews. And yeah. one of them is, is that she was known to cry wolf, but actually she wasn't, it was really happening, but yeah. she was thought to cry wolf. Therefore she wasn't listened, and She was killed.
0: But I mean, you, you know, and I would always say to those teachers, you know, okay, maybe that child is known as a liar. Um, but, what would cause a young child yeah. exactly. to be that way? I
2: think sometimes when the, the child doesn't fit a classic profile, which I think is almost imaginary, it's almost like sometimes that there's this sort of behaviour which actually can make, you know, a teacher perhaps not engaged with the child as well. So maybe they're rude, maybe they're violent, violent to the teacher, violent to other children. Maybe they're highly disruptive, when they're used to explain why perhaps we shouldn't trust a child thinking actually let's look at it a different way that child is screaming out help me Mm. because most children don't behave that way children brought up with a protective bubble with appropriate relationships don't need to behave that way so you need to be thinking well why are they doing that not using that as reasons to dismiss that child but i I see it time and time again yeah
1: there's there's a couple of sayings and one of them is um, children who le- who need love the most will ask for it in the most unloving of ways. I think mm. that's such a good quote. Another one is Annette Brouet. I don't know if I've done her surname justice there. Um, and her quote was that every teacher will have a story of a child that leads to misbehaviour and defiance. But if the teacher knew the reason behind the misbehaviour and defiance, it wouldn't make them angry. It would break their heart. And so children... Um, sort of display uh, behavioural signs to cope with the abuse that they're in. And if we think about boys, do boys externalise when they're being harmed and abused? Oh, you
0: taught me this. Yeah, so yeah.
1: the externalisation of the male, which would to anger, rage, crime, killing, injuring, torturing animals. What would we say about that boy? Well, a horrible child. You can't be being abused. But then we think about the model child, a student does well at school they can't be being abused therefore for us professionals any child that displays any kind of conditional behaviour behavior not been abused are they mm. they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't
0: yeah it's a really interesting point isn't it that girls tend to Inter- harm inwards internal so they yeah. will self-harm they will engage in risky behavior that only damages themselves, Mm. maybe promiscuity or uh, alcohol and drug use, whereas boys are much more likely to be aggressive towards other people, punching walls, being outwardly violent.
1: Um, yeah, and it's, it, some researchers have thought that a lot of female adult mental health could have stemmed from the internalisation because they, they're keeping it inside. You know, jokingly, Robin says, you know, when sometimes I rail with my wife, why does she say, well, you did that two years ago and I can't remember what I have for breakfast? It's that internalisation can remember. Mm. Uh, but some th- we must never forget some females externalise and some males internalise. Yeah. yeah. It's so not It's black not, it's not rigid. no, yeah, no, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, I think just one last point on disclosure and I think this is something that you did taught me as well on the ABE training which is it's it's an activity like you know if I turn to you now and say tell me about the best anal sex you've ever had or tell me about the best blowjob you've ever received you're going to think what the fuck you know for listeners like go imagine going into work tomorrow and turning to your colleague or phoning up your auntie or your neighbour and saying hey tell me about that sex you had last night mm. it's gonna even if we're talking about great sex and not abusive sex it's not something that most people are gonna go be like oh well yeah that was fantastic you know it's an awkward situation and yeah. we're expecting children to have that conversation about something mm. that they feel deeply ashamed about that they think is dirty that they think is their fault that is embarrassing because people don't talk about willies and you know nunnies and whatever and that, yeah they
2: don't potentially have a full understanding of it, or they might have some very real misconceptions about sex as well. We yeah. just, just don't
0: know. So for them to, to be, you know, come sit here in front of two strangers you've never met before. One is a police officer, one's a social worker who takes children away and tell them all about that sex you've had, you know. Mm-hmm. Even for us it's very difficult so it for is, children, it is. And, and
1: you know but you'd always put that on to the child anyway so as a perpetrator you would always put on about social workers you know social workers get commission for every child they place in the mm, care don't they that's, yeah, that's a, a myth a,
0: that's yeah, well, out there Yeah,
1: of course it is a myth in fact social workers go to the nth degree to keep a child with a family rather than the opposite yeah. you know but but it is it but but you would put that on a child you know the police will do this they'll blame you, you you'll go to prison if you, if you tell them about me having sex with you, you'll go to prison as well. You know that, don't you? Yeah. You know, that kind of attitude. And, um, yeah, that I almost want to use the word clever, but I don't know. Manipulative is probably... There's more sinister words than clever, isn't it, for a perpetrator. Mm. But they do know how to get that child into a relationship with them mm. and for the child not to disclose. They have got that off. You know, but it's a bit like the scammers, the fraudsters, the the burglars, the car thieves. It's psychological warfare, isn't it? Yeah. It's a different I mean, they level. do not want
2: to get caught, so they will use every yeah. weapon in their arsenal to, to ensure that they don't. Yeah. Anything, however cruel, yeah. however misleading, it's they mad will use it. how
0: naturally it kind of comes. Like, mm. if I suddenly thought, right, I want, really want Robin and Claire to buy me a coffee or whatever, it would take me a long time to really sit and think of a plan of how I could manipulate you to do that without just saying buy me a cop you know what i mean Mm. it would would take me a long time whereas it seems to come so incredibly naturally to these people Mm. to just be able to work out what's going to get the get somebody into the position they want them to be in
1: they're very interesting people in a way to interview as well interviewing sort of paedophiles Mm. and sex offenders and they start to manipulate you and your colleagues around you. And, yeah. you know, I've had to take <laughs> yeah. social workers out grooming, of houses. Grooming is it
2: just that people tend to use it for, for, the, for the child. But in order to get to a child, you have to get through any in- yeah. inhibitors such as the parents. Yeah. They need to be groomed. And you know, so often you speak to parents and they say, "But oh, oh, he was so lovely. He was so charming. Yeah, you know, he wasn't this classic sort of man in a in a raincoat mm-hmm. that you think about. He was. He was so lovely, and he was so kind. He did this for us, that for us. Well, of course he did. Yeah, he yeah. wanted you to trust him, so he'd get to your child. See,
1: I was always, I always thought that I was probably the worst detective ever. Because I was told of a very young lad at the age of five by my parents and my teacher and my relatives, Nan and Grandad, always look out for that strange bloke with the hormone glasses and the raincoat standing outside the school gates. Oh, he's is that, is that in, how you... <laughs> yeah, because he's the sexual abuser. And then I became a police officer and uh, worked in that for 30 odd years. Never found him once. Um, yeah. I, was I thought told... you
0: said that you would go to. I thought you meant that you were going to schools to interview children in a raincoat and glasses. <laughs> no, and that's <laughs> no! what. You, <laughs> and you no. kind of got the outfit wrong. Like. No, no, no. When
1: I, yeah, when I was a child, I was told that's what you got to look yeah. out for. Yeah. Uh, but then, as a detective, never found yeah. it.
0: But it's interesting because Jimmy Savile kind of meets that.
1: He does to everyone, Picture does he? it. he? Yeah. looks
0: like, how yeah. the fuck could people have missed this? Um, but they don't all look like it. And that's what I found. But we've got
1: a lot of eccentrics out there that don't abuse children that look a bit like the Jimmy Sable style, true. you know? This is true. So we can be excused of thinking, he's just weird.
0: Well, that's what I found very shocking when I first went into this kind of line of work um, was... You know, sitting on a, I was worked at Brixton Prison for a while in resettlement and sitting on the VPU, the Vulnerable Prisoners Units, where they keep all the sex offenders and paedophiles. You would look around and just think, if you're in a club, there'd probably be quite a selection here of people that you might give your number to, yeah. you know, yeah. very normal looking yeah. men. And then when you read their files and you're like, fucking hell, you really can't see it. Yeah. You just, there is no indicators in their faces that yeah. they're yeah. of their evil. Yeah,
1: um, and that that and they were the the sort of difficult because they tried to manipulate us as police officers as yeah. well, and they did a good job on some, you know, and they could do a good job on the defence team and on the uh, on the lawyers and the judges as well. Well, the you jury know?
0: is the biggest problem yeah, that I found. Absolutely. I I remember yeah. I worked on a case where there was this really he was a really good looking dad, uh, young professional. I Think he was in his early thirties, had a bit of money, and his daughter had accused him of touching her in the bath every time he gave her a bath, he would insert his fingers into her. Um, and she told mum, and obviously mum did all the right things and it actually got as far as court. Um, and his defence was something like there was baby oil in the bath and so, mm-hmm. so it common, kept that slipping. Yeah. Uh, and the jury bought it. And I believe God. that the jury only bought it because of his outward yeah. presentation. Yeah. He just seemed, you would look at him and think, this gorgeous guy, wow, how could he yeah. hurt children? And it's just such a naive thing. Um, oh, I think that, that happens to, to far too often. There would be, be a
1: lot of police officers if they were listening to this uh, podcast would say, oh, I've had that defence oh, she was slippery in my finger. As soon as they say to that, as penetration, you're going. Yeah. You're going to court. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe we can discuss court a little bit later. I th- I
0: th- yeah, I think we should. One, one thing
1: that I did want to get over was uh, it's their fault. and It was something I read. I don't know. I can't recall it all now, but the Alexis J report and the... I um, oh, can't remember the other one now. It'll come back to me in a minute. Uh, the MP that looked at uh, the and Motherham as well. Laura, um, oh, I oh, know what you're talking about. They moment, talk moment.
0: about that in the Helena Kennedy book, the Miss yeah. Justice book.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll probably uh, try and when Claire's talking or you're talking, I'll just do a quick Google of her because I, I want to give her credit. Louise Casey, do you know that? that old, that's yeah. It. Yeah. So um, let's let's think about this from a police officer's point of view. I suppose about that child Uh, so let's say a 13 year old girl says to a police officer that I was sitting at home whether it be a children's home or her own home and I got a text from my boyfriend who's 35 and I met and have been having consensual sex with (coughs) and he said to me to go to 1A the high street and do that line up as I mentioned go and commit all sex on six men uh, one of the men called John will give me a wad of cash at the end of it. We'll give you a wad of cash. Bring that to me and we'll share that out afterwards. Yeah. So she then goes, does the act of all sex, which as we know, entry or partial entry of a penis in a vi- vagina, anus or mouth without consent is rape, isn't it? Mm. But so she goes there on that text. He's not there. He's got no knife against her throat. Nothing. She goes there and does that act, collects the money and takes it to her boyfriend and they share it out like 20, 80, he has 80%, she has 20%, let's say. Is that her fault? So could you think of a police officer saying, you were perfectly safe, you were sitting at home, wherever that is, you got a text, he didn't even come for you, you got a taxi, you went to that, you did that, you collected money and you took that to your boyfriend and you shared that that money out. It's got to be your fault, so don't bother me, young girl.
0: Mm.
1: Could you see that happening? Of yes.
0: course. I mean, I think it happens
1: frequently. Yeah. So my question to you two, let's say I am that police officer saying that to you, but it's her fault. Do you want to come back at me at that? Why isn't it her fault? Because we all know it damn well isn't. Yeah. But what, doesn't it, what makes it that it's not her fault? And how do we get that?
0: Yeah. How Difficult do we get question. people to get that? Well, it's coercion, isn't it? Yeah. But how do
1: we get that? we've got to convince that lawyer that jury mm. that judge that especially if we want to go down the line of rape because that's going to be non-consensual isn't it yeah yeah so i don't touch you but i put a knife against your throat and i say give me your uh bank card and your pin number and you do that i haven't touched you yeah so why did you give me your card and pin number then
0: yeah, because I was scared that you were going to stab me.
1: Yeah. So really where I'm going there is what we should be looking at, and this has come back to something you said earlier, is what we should now be doing with that girl is not blaming her, is interviewing her, not what happened at that instant from the getting the text. Yeah, let's interview her about that and what happened. But I think your interview to prove that offence is pre that text. Mm. What made her have that life choice of going to that house, Mm. doing all sex on six strangers for money and taking it and giving 80% to a boyfriend. That's where you have the skill of the interviewer. So then where did you meet your 35-year-old boyfriend? How did you meet him? What circumstances? How did he get you to be involved in that relationship? Because what if she then comes out with that, I've actually done this before, and the reason I did it before was he very clearly said he knows where I live because he comes and picks me up from down the road. He knows I've got an 18-month-old brother, and he said to me that if I don't go and do these acts, he's going to pour petrol on my 18-month-old brother and set him in fire in front of me. But if we don't interview her from all that happened prior to her going to that house, mm. we'll never know that, will we? Yeah. So now when I said I put a knife against your throat and you gave me your card and PIN number, I never touched you. She wasn't touched and harmed in that way. But the threat was, if you don't do what I'm going to tell you to do, I'm going to set fire to your baby brother in front of you. And you can watch him burn, lovey. You can watch him scream and burn unless you do that for me. So unless we get that out of her on interview, it's consensual. Mm. Do you see what I mean? But it wasn't consensual. Mm. Therefore, the same as you, I robbed you.
0: But so they have to prove the offence of grooming, to be able to.
1: Yeah, and we got the only. The, now we've got a big trouble, haven't we? Whose word is it against who? Mm. You've got a thirty-five-year-old man against a thirteen-year-old girl that's in the care system. Yeah, that's the problem we've got to get around now. So, but what I'm saying is, is that's where I would have tried to teach you on an ABE interview. You've got to prove consent, mm. and you've got to do a full and detailed, so you can see that happening. Yeah, and we can only get that from that girl, but. It comes in the other problem that you said earlier, is I'm a stranger to that girl. Does Mm. she trust me? No, she doesn't know me because I I would absolutely. Give her a high five if she said to me, I don't trust you, because she shouldn't trust me until she gets to know me. So how long is it to get to know me, to trust me enough, to be that police officer, for her to say to me, this is what happened, and you will protect me from those criminal acts and things like that, which we can do. Mm. You know, One boy was was forced to have sexual intercourse with his sister, nine-year-old sister. I never charged that boy, because he was forced, exploited into doing that, and never charged him. But he had to trust me... I was someone on my word that I wasn't going to say to him, admit to having sexual intercourse with your sister and then charge him with rape. Mm. He had to trust that I wouldn't do that before he would admitted it and how his foster father forced him to do that. You know that kind of thing? So, Mm. And that's the same with these victims. We have to go back a long way, but it takes us a long time. You know, you try getting your partner, your best friend, for you to admit things, you know, about what you did in a previous relationship and things like that. You're not going to tell them, are you? Mm. You know, because that's not their knowledge and they don't need to know. So... It's extremely difficult For us to do yeah. it Do you see where I'm going and With it, that But I
0: think the problem Is that it um, it, it, There's so much to unpick Because it's so insidious And it's so um, The grooming can take A really long time It oh, can be God. Two years sometimes bef- From the meeting Of the, the groomer To the actual First point That they commit Any type of offence By which point You are so indebted To them And yeah. so So entrapped Involved with them Yeah and so entrapped That, that mm. to be As I say and To be expected I think
2: it is as, as well it gets more complex the, the example that you used was it came down to sort of fundamental threats that had been made against that girl yeah. where it gets more complicated is where actually it wasn't she didn't do it out of threats. she did it because she loves him mm. so and it's unpicking that because I'm just going to present with a sort of scenario so a 13 year old girl I think you said a 35 year old man <coughs> what would be behind that relationship probably again if you were unpicking it pick it is a real home environment devoid of appropriate warmth and love and so she then chooses you know someone that shows her affection it happens to be somebody who's 35 an abuser and it's about really understanding that that she she's vulnerable she is a child they are adults the adult has put her in that situation um and to understand that he abused a very real need in her in order to to get what mm. he wanted from it and that's that's difficult and that's that's so difficult to get people to understand that because yeah. it, you know it's not something that's evidence-driven you can't um you, you know, can't hold up prove bag, it can you yeah, yeah. You know, with, with, with a piece of evidence inside yeah um but this is that's the fundamental thing it's about the exploitation because she is a child so if you say, we'd, we'd all agree it's wrong, isn't it? That if, if somebody, even if there are peers if in their 20s, a fr- um, one person went into another person's house and he says, oh, but he, he handed me over the money. He handed me over it willingly. At first we thought, well, that's fine. Well, that The second person has given that money with consent. But then we find out that second person has got maybe severe learning disabilities, and they tend to say yes to everything. Someone mm. smiles at them; they say yes. We know that that's wrong. Mm. We know that that person has exploited the person with learning disabilities. This is the same thing. Those young people are being exploited because they're children. They're often damaged children or very manipulated children. Yeah. And I'm picking that it's so so difficult, but.
3: That's yeah, where they are.
2: it's incre- I think it's important to say that
0: actually this can happen to any child. It really can happen yes. to anyone, and it has happened to children who've grown up in loving homes and and yeah. and had a great time. Uh, you know, being raised fantastically. However in the vast majority of cse cases what we know is that young yeah. people tend to be vulnerable they have unmet and needs, you, and, you, and
2: you're right i mean it can happen to every child but they are just a higher risk so robin described yeah. that child in that in the soap bubble
1: mm. that is a
2: high risk child because they're surrounded by people that notice that care that love that child yeah so who, you as an exploiter, as a, as a perpetrator, as an abuser, You're who are you going to go, go for? That, yeah. No, they're too, they're you know, I'm going to get caught if I go for that child. Yeah. I'll take this child.
1: Yeah, if, if I went into Claire's school and I was uh, talking to her colleagues about basic child protection, safeguarding within schools, one thing I'd be saying to her is, to their, sorry, the staff in her school was that do not blab out in the corridor, the staff room, the classroom about child A and their problems with their parents who are going through a divorce and mum's a bit of an alky and dad's just been arrested for drug dealing and this has happened and that happened and that. Because what you're doing then is telling potential perpetrators where to go. Mm-hmm. You've given them a handshake to the vulnerability of the child. And that's why I'm, I'm very strict with professionals, teachers especially, Keep it between you and your designated person within the school about the vulnerabilities of children in your class that you know about so you're not giving unwittingly to somebody who's joined your school to abuse children because you go to where your commodity is, isn't it? Mm. If you want petrol now, you go to the petrol station, wouldn't you? Mm. If you want a child, where are you going? Yeah. Yeah, so don't give them that uh, vulnerabilities. YouTube has got very short, I think it's, I've forgotten how long it is now, two minutes, three minute clip from a bloke called Jack Reynolds. And he is an American convicted paedophile who's a professional. Just have a quick look at it, if you can find it. Just, I suppose, type in sex offender Jack Reynolds, something like that, in YouTube. And he's sitting there saying how he sexually abused boys. And you'll see him probing the bubble. What he's saying. Listen to my bubble. like, and He's looking for the dents in the bubble. Uh, and he says things like, they don't have this. Don't have that. Parents are divorcing. All these are dense in bubbles. Keep mm. to ourselves, professionals. Don't go spreading that in, out in the staff room, because if I was the perpetrator and I was working in your school, I'd be listening to you. Yeah. In fact, I'd be asking you, "Oh, what mm. about little Jane? Yeah, so what do you know about her? You know, so it's that kind of thing." It's, so but,
0: the, the the vulnerabilities are bad home life. Some Coming. form of domestic violence or mm. abuse in, in the past Children in care are particularly vulnerable children with some kind of experience of being in care Or neglect under social services Children with learning difficulties have particular vulnerabilities Children who are maybe unaccompanied minors English yeah. is not a first language mm-hmm. Maybe more vulnerable Poverty um, Poverty is a huge indicator, isn't it? In terms of vulnerabilities to CSE mm. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the other risk indicators. I should have written them down.
2: Addic- yeah, parents risk- with addiction. I mean, it, it kind of goes on. Um, oh, tr-
0: uh, absent from school. Yes. Absent from school is a big one. If they're missing big periods of school, that that can be a. Uh, and missing as well. These can be things that are either the cause or consequence. So if young people are going missing all the time, that obviously increases their vulnerability to uh, CSE, but also. um being missing can be a sign that they are already yeah. being exposed to CSE and same with absences from school teachers really need to look at kids who are missing big periods of school because that can be a real uh indicator
1: yeah there's a couple of others that i can sort of bring out here from the document so uh, recent bereavement or loss social isolation um Absence of a safe environment to explore sexuality. Mm. Uh, well, that's,
0: yeah, get LGBTQ plus children. Yeah, and sexual is identity a, is on the list yeah, as well. Yeah, it's an increased risk.
1: Yeah. Um, having uh, members of the family involved in adult sex work has been put on here as well by the government, interestingly. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're sort of all areas. It's all in this document as well, all those. Um,
0: What's the document? This is... Oh, the CSE.
1: Child's, yeah, uh, Definition and Guide for Practitioners, February 2007, by the Department for Education. CSE.
0: Yeah. Um, so th- so those are the, the the potential vulnerabilities that might increase a child's likelihood that they're going to be exposed to CSE. What are some of the signs that they're already being exploited?
1: Okay, so I would go... Something that wasn't normal yesterday, that is, is wasn't there yesterday but is there today, is for you to work out. So suddenly that cracked face on the mobile phone has been it's gone that mobile phone's gone in fact we've got a newer model now and it's a nice let's oh, I don't want to prophesize that apple more than they need it Yeah, <laughs> been the most richest the richest company in the world now aren't they anyway so. so they've got the latest apple phone when they before they had some other make unknown i'm not going to say um uh, and it, that's their what how, how do you get that mm. where do you get that from so and they just say oh it's a birthday present a belated birthday present from my mum or my dad or my well let's prove it you know let's have a look at that let's check whether that's true so they suddenly have a bit more cash now mm. actually brand new trainers yeah they're starting to look after themselves actually mm. they're, they're showering more they're washing more so you know what would you do if you were a girl and you've just got a boyfriend that's of a similar age and it's perfectly legal Legal. What would you do with yourself? You'd start to make yourself more presentable, and so would the boy, wouldn't he? He would start to put he'd actually shower more than once uh, every two weeks, wouldn't he? Um, <coughs> and change his underpants more than once a week, you know. So, <laughs> so start looking different, acting different, looking like they're into something like that, because you know, I suppose the perpetrator would like that child to be clean, nice, looking good, and things like mm. that depending on the perpetrators wants, so some perpetrators would want uh, children to dress down well I'd, I'd love it actually if you'd come in your school uniform to meet me Ooh. you know well yeah you go all but you know it's true yeah uh, or actually let's go and get you some lovely underwear sexy underwear and all that so that kind of differences those kind of things without plausible Sort of associating with the wrong people. Mm. You know, it's, it's always we associate with the wrong people. It's always the other people's fault, at uh, that kind of and thing. And it's
0: hard, that one, because you wouldn't want to be judgmental. Uh, about we are, though, your, aren't we? Well, yeah. I mean, it, you wouldn't want your... If your child was came home saying, this is my new best friend, she's in care, you wouldn't want to go, Ugh, like, because children in care deserve friendship and love and all of those things, um, most especially more. They probably need it more, yeah. But... Yeah, but it's one of the risk factors uh if your child is hanging around with children who are in care then that's one of the things that we've learned about cse is that they're often a source sometimes they'll the girls will get their own girlfriends Mm. involved
1: um yeah and you know what about the neighbor who comes to you oh i saw your daughter sort of leaning in a car of a you know A man, he looked about 30, 35, something like that. That could be an indicator, couldn't it? What's she doing, doing that kind of thing? Um, So then mobile phones, the use of suddenly very much that's important well that's now. what
0: mums say isn't it when their children when their girls have been or their boys have been involved in cse their phones are never out yeah. of their hands yeah. and they never
2: stop going off or finding a burner phone yeah as well yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah you use. have to have them surgically removed yeah. sometimes yeah that, that phone from their hand uh, and it's going off you can hear it going off all night everything like that it's constantly on it Con- and they uh,
0: feel that they need to respond really quickly yeah. they can't yeah, can't wait.
1: leave like an hour between no, responding. No, you've got response. Um And then maybe coming home looking like they've been or still under the influence of alcohol or drugs, something like that, you mm. know, which wasn't the normal. They weren't a drinker before. But Claire spoke about uh, inhibitors earlier. Well, one good... Disinhibitor tool is alcohol isn't it mm. we we do things silly don't we when mm-hmm. we've had a few drinks some of us sometimes so um looking looking for those sort of uh, disinhibitors on the child drugs and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah and alcohol
0: stis
1: yeah so uh, unexplained
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, pregnancies yeah, and someone in after pill
1: yeah and some questions around that you know how'd you get aids how'd you get hiv Mm. how'd you get you know those questions that weren't asked before what are they worried about now is because it having sex with multiple men Mm.
2: it's difficult isn't it because it's a a lot of things that actually are rites of passage teenage things teenagers want to know this teenagers will go out they'll have a few drinks but i think it's about really knowing your children and knowing, knowing what's different what's a sudden change possibly someone on the scene that they've not mentioned before someone important maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend but they're kind of reluctant to bring back home Mm. again within the normal scope of teenage behavior
0: yeah because one of the questions is where is the line between normal teenage behavior like getting pissed in a park and allowing your boyfriend to finger you and cse and and actually like you say it is a bit of a rite of passage to some teenagers do really fucking stupid things i was one of them i would have definitely been vulnerable to cse if i'd have come across Mm. the the wrong people um but but there is also you know there is an element of yes our kids are probably going to get pissed in a park at some point when they're in their teens i think
2: you have to give license to your children to, 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 to let them know that you know that they could do something stupid and that's okay you may not like what they do the act that they do but you love them mm. and all the time sort of having those kind of conversations with them that you can come to me even if it's something you, even if you've done something really stupid criminal mm. something that I'm going to hate I am here for you because that's so common, isn't it? Getting them involved in some sort of illicit act that I just can't go to my mum, I can't go to my dad, I can't tell anyone about this because actually I, I shoplifted yeah. before that happened or I did this or I did that. It's particularly have... common,
0: isn't it, with image-based abuse yes. because there's, there's obviously different models of child sexual exploitation and one is the kind of grooming boyfriend model where they, you know, make the child believe that they're in love and then they end up trafficking them or passing them around friends to, to make money through prostituting the, the child was, although the right word is not prostituting it's raping I guess um, but then there's the other side of CSE which is the kind of more image-based stuff which is where people will blackmail young people to send more and more explicit images online mm. and children are often really ashamed to say to their parents yeah I sent a picture of my boobs or or you know, penis you, you or whatever. You have to
2: have these uncomfortable conversations with them. You have to explore the what if, despite the kind of, oh, mom, oh, I don't want to hear this. And what do you know? And, you know, you have to have those conversations because actually, let's hope and let's pray for 99% of children. It's a conversation with the teenager that will never need to go any further. Mm. But you just don't know. You just don't know that actually this is something that your teenager really, really needs to hear because this is happening to them. They're not going to drop everything and tell you mm. oh. that you need to put it in them, what
1: to do, what to mm. do with. I think, go back to the bubble. So what would you say to your son or daughter to keep that bubble out tight around image taking things like that. Well, we all explore. So, um, what's that actor who's done that? Her images were sent out. It's just been advertised. Was it Billy done.
2: Billy Piper? Billy
1: Piper. So she's admitted on the, in the metro when we were coming out today that she did. T- she has taken naked pictures of herself. Mm. Yep. So I would be saying to uh, my daughter, okay, remember once you take with something like an iphone uh, you know a a phone and whatever iphone nokia phone whatever samsung once you take a picture of your yourself remember that that potentially will never be destroyed or deleted especially if it's gone to the cloud you know apple will have that google will have that and it will be there forever so remember that before you go click take Mm -hmm. that it could go up there The other thing, say you do have a boyfriend that says, I would love a topless picture, and I'll send you a dick pic back if you send me a topless picture. Once you take that picture and send that to that boyfriend at that time, who you then know that you're going to live the rest of your life with, and you're both going to celebrate your golden and diamond wedding together, because that's what they think, don't they, at that age, yeah? That once you send that to him, you have lost control totally lost control of that picture it's gone now that boy can do anything with it and don't believe in the sort of prince and princess stories most relationships are will fail in teenagers you're not going to celebrate your golden winning so he's going to have that picture of you when you have another boyfriend and he has another girlfriend or you break up with him how would he now force coerce trick and trap you into staying in that relationship mm. He's going to say, I've got that picture.
0: So hard, isn't it? Because I know what I was like as a teenager. And I just know that I thought my parents were absolute fucking idiots. Like, I genuinely sort of thought that they were born at the age of 40 or whatever. And that was it. That's all they knew. And I knew more because obviously I'm 16 and I know everything. And my parents just couldn't tell me anything. I was just, oh, shut up. You, You know, so I think this is the really difficult thing is... Yeah, I mean it's great that we this is how we should teach our teenagers these things, but whether they'll listen to us or not is the is, is the next challenge.
2: But ju- that, I just believe in putting it in there. Yeah, that just doesn't to put matter. it in there. Yeah. So so further to what Robin said, I it's think. It's an inhibitor. On yeah. top of that is but if ever you did, if you did send a photo and there was a backlash, I, I'm here to deal with that yeah. with you. We can sort this out. It is not the end of your life and the world. Yeah. And then it's just in there, isn't it? So, you know, let's hope it never happens, but it happens to a child. Think, actually, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not alone.
1: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. There's
2: something I can do about it. Yeah. But,
1: but giving them tools they as They have well. to have
2: licence to believe yeah. that way.
1: So my daughter, I would say, you know, look at what Billy Piper said on the Metro today about she's taken nude pictures of herself to see what she looks like. Mm. And she was curious about what she looks like on, on a nude photo, I suppose. Um. And I would say to my daughter, do that if you wish. But can I ask that you turn your Wi-Fi off, turn your 4G, 3G off, so your mobile is just completely shut down to the outside world Mm. at the time. Then take that photo, have a look at how you look like naked, then delete the photo, and then turn your Wi Fi on and turn your 4G on and things mm. like that. So, what I'm saying to her is that I don't mind you taking pictures of yourself like that, but try mm. to stop it getting out in the big wide world. Yeah. So, then she would fit, she could come to me and say, Dad, do you know what you said to me about. I didn't. I did take a picture just to see what I looked like, but I left four G off. And my boyfriend's now got it, or he took a photo of my. Fo- he got my phone mm. and took a photo of my fo- phone photo, and he's and so she. W- I'll say, oh, that's fine. Right, let's deal with that. Yeah. Let's go and have a little word with that young man, and let's see if we can get that picture recovered and done yeah. there. because otherwise, You've set police up that isn't scenario it? of trust. Yeah, you? and
2: I think if you set your expectations so high for your children that they think, God, if I tell them this. They're gonna be so angry, they're gonna kick me mm. out, they're gonna do you you have to give them license that they're gonna make mistakes and they might be quite yeah. big ones and that we're here if you do. And it's it's difficult because they will look at you, they will think, What do you know? Yeah. But it's in there, it's in their heads. Absolutely.
0: It's, and I think don't start just when they're teenagers, I think really lay the foundation. Mm. Again, yes. the stuff that I learned from the ABE training was give them the names for their body parts. Don't call yeah. the vagina or the vulva yeah. a flower or a ninny or whatever. They need to know they've got a vulva the same way they know that they've got an elbow or a nose mm. why not name it you're sexualizing it by not naming it it's penis vagina vulva give them those tools and after all, it's
2: just a word in in um, the school that i teach we do a scheme that started in brighton which was um, protective behaviors and that's about it's about equipping children so they actually have the language when i think back to that girl that told me that daddy made a snail mm. part of the, the difficulty because she obviously wanted to disclose in her own way well she didn't have the vocabulary So if you give children the language of sexuality yeah then they can use it and a word is just a word after yeah. all
0: it's not going to harm them no. to know and i think consent is another really good one that we can teach from from really early and do it a, around the very basic things I, I i've written about this before which is you know if grandma says i want a kiss and the child goes oh, no, i don't really want to what parents have a tendency to do is go oh go and kiss grandma because they feel awkward and they think it's rude and then what we've taught children is that they have no right to say no and that they have to be polite. Light, and if somebody's, you know, in a superior position to them, then they have to go along with it. But we must teach our kids that if they say no, I don't want to kiss grandma, we're like, okay, cool, that's your choice. You know, if we're tickling our kids, sometimes I tickle my son, and he'll be going, stop, stop, stop. You actually have to stop at that moment and say, do you actually want me to stop, or is that just part of the game? If you do want me to stop, could you let me know? Proper, you know, respect their body autonomy and show them that they are able to start thinking about consent really early. They have power over their bodies. And if
2: you do that, when you have those conversations as a teenager, it's not going to jar against anything. It's going to be just, this is what they know. This is what they understand. This is what they've, the values they've been brought up with.
0: Yeah. It even goes as far as, I mean, I'm not very good at some of this stuff. I have to sometimes think about it, but you know, he'll come out of the shower and I'll already have all cream on my hands. I'm going to cream you where, you know, I'm going to put moisturizer on you or whatever. And actually what I should be doing every time is, is it okay if I put this cream on, or do you want to do it yourself? You kind of assume that because you're the mum, you've got these bound. you know. We have to teach them yeah. really early. Hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give them strategies, strengths, tools yeah. to, to protect. Yeah.
2: Um, and it's boundaries as well, isn't it? They, these are boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because as I say, you know, we don't explicitly teach our children in the classroom setting, but everything we do is teaching our children.
1: Yeah, can I can I just go through? I don't think we've done this so specifically, but about inhibitors, we've spoken about a lot about inhibitors for. Um, somebody who's going to exploit a child sexually exploit a child they have to break down three inhibitors and that's what we're sort of going along Mm. and the first inhibitor uh are their own internal inhibitors so these perpetrators have to break down and make sure it's right in their own mind to do this and everything like that so they'll use all the tactics they can to make it right to go to get that girl boy whatever uh and sexually exploit them that it's yeah, they're trash anyway, they're rubbish, they're on the rubbish heap anyway. So, you know, it's a little bit like uh, the, the ladies eating a cake analogy, isn't it? Which I won't go into deeply. But if, if you want to lose weight, if you take a broken biscuit, it won't have any calories in it because all the calories fall out when you break the biscuit, don't they? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's, that, but that's what some people have said. So, so what you then do is you go with a broken child, whatever. Because they're already broken anyway, kind of thing, and they use all these these reasons to to break down why they should uh, abuse children. It's good for children; doesn't know any harm. Makes them grow up. All that, all that kind of thing. So they they that's so the first. These are the things
0: that they use to justify. Yeah, to justify. Their... Don't forget,
1: no man's ever going to admit if we're going to talk about this stereotypical at the moment. This man is is going to admit. Are they? Mm. You know, I'm a sex abuser and all that. That's mm. just if they do, there's something going more wrong. I would have thought. So the second inhibitor they have to break down is external inhibitors so <clears throat> example if i went into claire school um i would say the person that you will find out if there ever god forbid happens that somebody abuses a child in your school will be the person you last thought of would ever do it because they've broken you down they've broken the rest of the staff down have mm. being the, the nicest person in the school with the best reputation a person that would never, ever do that. And they would do that by uh, just manipulating and grooming all the external people first. And then the final inhibitors the child. So don't forget, you've got to get through three stages before that. Mm. Internal inhibitors, external inhibitors, final inhibitors of the child. Mm. All those tactics, you'll, you've got to learn a lot to become an abuser. And they do it very professionally. Mm.
0: Yeah, It's quite sickening, isn't it? Yeah. So... So I guess I th- I, don't, I don't I hope we've made it clear in this in this podcast that there's kind of difference between CSE and sexual abuse and and that and I, I, know, I know we spoke at the beginning differences that the and one similarities, in the same. isn't there? But kind of you know the sexual abuse tends to happen within the home. Sexual abuse tends to be perpetrated by a relative or someone very close, a trusted teacher, and it's kind of clandestine secretive touching in the night or at any opportunity that they can take whereas cse is quite a different model so when we're talking about child sexual exploitation uh and we're talking about child trafficking and things like that we're talking much more about teenagers tends not to happen Uh, very often uh, with CSE the victims are usually 12 or over and child trafficking so the kind the kind of victim that they choose will be slightly you know your, your classic paedophile will probably go for the younger child within the home whereas your CSE is more likely to be a teenager who they can engage in some kind of money making somehow yeah, so from, from their body
1: Going back to the sort of definition So either some kind of game Financial whatever game yeah. Or for kudos for, for status and things like that yeah. You know if I have sex With that 14 year old girl In front of you lot Doesn't that add to me It's a little bit like Putting a gun to someone's head And pulling the trigger Again, now, Yeah.
2: How important that is yeah. That sense of identity To a teenager as well yeah. And so we spoke about Some of the
0: indicators for CSE But just some of them Because one of the questions here Is that Because uh, of the signs of sexual abuse might be different Mm. so you know with cse one of the warning signs is missing lots of school whereas one of the things that um, we learnt or that I learnt when I was studying uh, was that um, children who are really happy and thriving in school is not necessarily an indication that they're not being sexually abused so for younger children who are maybe uh, be being abused in the home the indicators might be slightly different to the CSE ones and there are things like bed wetting and yeah. uh, changes in behaviour becoming withdrawn but actually you know, you know we, we, we always social workers and police will go to schools to say what's this child like how are they doing and schools will often say they're doing really well at school they're having a fancy you know they're, they're, they're really thriving but that's because school is safe haven yeah so it's not necessarily that a child is doing well so we can kind of take our the, the eye off the ball sometimes it's they're happiest there mm, they're safe absolutely
1: there. and I, and i have got annoyed with professionals who have said to me but they're showing no signs Mm. and I said to them but if they showed signs you would then use that as an excuse for them not being abused anyway so Mm. they're damned if they like I said earlier damned if they do and damned if they don't one thing I think we should always stress and this is so damn obvious and everyone that listens to this and ever listens to this will know this every child is an individual Mm. we can't blanket every kind of thing on every child because it's not you know us three in here are so different aren't we Mm. Um, and we would show different signs if it happened to us yeah and we've got to think that that it's not a one size fits all so wouldn't it be wonderful if a child was sexually exploited at the age of 12 they would look like this and act like that yeah because that would just be so easy for us wouldn't it But it doesn't happen like that just always remember every single child is different that's why i'm a real hater of ages Mm. uh on laws and procedures and policies and you know some people say oh well children can babysit at the age of 12 or be left at home alone at the age of 12 yeah rubbish absolute rubbish some children you wouldn't want to leave anywhere near your cat at 12 let alone home alone would you you know yeah some children fine
0: there is no law actually there's no no law on home alone no it's always a really gray area
2: like you say you know because it's so dependent on that that child on all the factors yeah yeah, who they are yeah Yeah. exactly bit
1: off topic but what i'm trying to say is is that every victim of cse is an individual and have individual signs symptoms needs wants hopes concerns And
2: again yeah it really is about knowing the child and knowing what's
1: that's what makes it so difficult for
2: that child yeah
0: Yeah, i think it's interesting so one of the questions here is um can I let my children have some freedom in parks or are they likely to be snatched? And I think, again, it's about thinking about, you know, people have these ideas of, of, of victims and who they are and that they're just these innocent kids, you know, being picked off. Uh, and they're not. It tends to be... Okay,
1: that's... It is, it's a good question. It's a valid question. Um, but... How many times do we read about a child being snatched from a park, abducted from a park? It's so rare, isn't it? Rare. But it always makes the news, doesn't it? Yeah. How many times do we hear about victims of CSE? Yeah. We don't, because it's so many. So, and sexual abuse of children. Yeah. Do, I'm not going to sit here and say don't worry about your child in the park. Do worry. Yeah. Be vigilant, be aware, be around them and everything like that kind of thing. Uh, and make sure that they're safe and everything yeah absolutely but they're more chance of being about abused by somebody you know don't forget 97 percent of child abuse is committed on them by somebody they know yeah
2: and that that's why we don't focus on stranger dangers who did back in the yeah. 70s it's all it's all about equipping children and yeah. about protective behaviors
1: yeah don't eliminate it because strangers do attack yeah but, uh think more the danger
0: is much more likely to come from people that you know.
1: The biggest sexual abuser of girls um, is their brother. So that's thirty eight percent. So Wow. Yeah, so that's quite a high. 38 percent biological brother, twenty three percent biological father. That's sixty one percent of sexual abuse of girls in the family, no yeah. offender, is the biggest sexual abuser is boyfriend, by the way, but
0: for CSE particularly.
1: No, for sexual abuse per se, so not CSE. But the biggest sexual abuser of girls is their boyfriend.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yeah. D- doing that unconsensual touch. Not
0: child, I mean.
1: Well, child, yeah, they're under 18. Yeah. Going to be yeah, pedantic. so the
0: CSE type.
1: No, they're not mean, mean, No, no, no. So I'm not meaning that. I, what, what I'm saying is, is just laying out facts about sexual abuse of children, that the girls, they suffer more sexual abuse from boyfriends than anyone else. Yeah but that is uh most girls are able to deal with that and build resilience up so if you had a boyfriend at the age of 14 and he put his hand on your breast you and you didn't ask for that mm. how would you deal with that so mm. you might either push his hand off slap him not go out with him and something like that but it sort of teaches you boys are going to do that mm. and so you build up resilience with that that but that's still by the letter of the law what is it sexual assault There you yeah go. Yeah So how many By the grace of God Have gone by that How many boys have done that But not been prosecuted Yeah A lot
0: Oh yeah I mean it was common in school To be groped
1: Yeah Um, But what is that grope?
0: But but this is the thing Is I did some polls recently And I did uh, a question about Have you How how many people have been You know A lot of people answer my polls I've got nearly 100,000 followers So they're talking about Thousands and thousands of people And one of the questions was Have you ever been Sexually assaulted And the percentage was something like 60%, and it's mainly women, my followers, 60% said they had. And then my next question was, have you ever been grabbed, groped, you know, on a tube or in a bar? Has anybody touched you? And the answer was 91%. And it was just interesting to see that, you know, it was like 30% of those people that had been touched didn't even see it as sexual assault because it's so normalised for women.
2: Can, can Can I just tell you about me just on that? Up till the age of, I think, about 21... I actually made five police reports of being flashed at from the age of eight till twenty one. And then the last one I got very upset because I felt that the police will do a check on me. I was very naive about the systems. I thought the police would do a check on me and think that I just keep reporting this. And my mum actually pointed out she said no it's not that it's but you think about their internalizing i had the exact same thing but my mum said claire it's not about that it's about how prevalent it is in society mm. so five yeah. different reports from eight to 21
0: yeah i had exactly the same thing with flashing incidents i think it was 11 and the last one i reported was a guy uh w- wanking at me on a tube train and i literally had the very same thought that actually police going to think i'm insane yeah. they're just going to think i'm this woman who just enjoys ringing them <laughs> to pretend that i've been flashed at uh and then that put me off the, the yeah. then the last time that i was flashed at, i didn't report it a because i thought well nothing's ever happened as a result of me ever reporting it in the first place anyway and b because i don't want them to think i'm mentally ill hmm. um
1: always report I know.
0: I've learned this now. You know, this yeah. was many years ago.
1: Even if it's just for the police to build an intelligence <coughs> program up, and they, if they do catch somebody, they'll look through the reports and think, oh, batches that description. You know, that kind but of I'm thing. But I'm just, just or think, thinking for
2: myself, it was described myself as, you know, I not unintelligent brought up in you know love and warmth Mm. so somebody that's not brought up as a sort of a damaged person and i'm thinking that so Mm. i felt very much the same i'm not sure that i'd report this in the future thank god it hasn't happened since so if i'm feeling like that when actually my resilience is quite strong as virtue of my my background what are people that haven't far more vulnerable than me what are they thinking yeah
0: absolutely it
2: just goes to show
0: one of the questions that people asked was, um, <clears throat> is it worth reporting historical sexual abuse? Yes. Absolutely, isn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah. Um, I would go probably as well, even if the perpetrator has died. But uh, if the perpetrator is still alive, absolutely. So where have they placed themselves now? So I was working in Malaysia and I was speaking to an ex-farman from the, uh, from the UK who worked in the educational system in Malaysia. Uh, and he reported historical abuse uh, by his father who used to drug him and his sister and then rape both of them. Um, uh, And so he reported that and his sister worked with him in the same school in Malaysia. And she then corroborated what he said. And we were sort of talking about that quite casually but uh, I said you must report that because he's still alive and when we checked on him he was still alive he's working with children
0: oh god
1: so you know so it's very
0: worth it
1: very worth it even though it's historical we're not going to say oh well he got away with that one no no Um, and yeah it'll be difficult but I found that I got quite good conviction mate with historical cases as well better than I did with children to be honest Uh, unfortunately
0: I think, was it you who taught me, told me about a case? Someone told me, it wasn't a case that I worked on. Somebody told me about a case where <clears throat> somebody had reported historical sexual abuse. It was about 20 years prior. I think she had an uncle that used to come into the bedroom and touch her and abuse her. And he always used to ejaculate on the wall
1: in no, the corner. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. No, I think if, if I say this one, will this ring a bell. What he used to do was he would rape her. He would then wipe her with a tissue. Yeah, I think, and it's... then he would throw the tissue so he didn't walk out of her bedroom with it in his hand mm. behind the wardrobe. Is that the case? No, it's oh, right. different. So, what, so
0: he always used to ejaculate in the corner on the wall, oh. and then like twenty years later. The police had the, you know, good. They sense found the same wallpaper, to, the, yeah. and they DNA tested it, and they were able to find his semen, and he was convicted. Yeah. Um, so even, even if you don't have evidence, I think it's still worth reporting,
3: yeah.
0: um, and and you should be believed. And if you're not, then there are uh, serv- support services, the Survivors Network, there NAPAC. Are some good ones out there. there are some great ones. Yeah. I'll give the information when I am.
1: Napac, i'm a lover of by the way
0: Napac are brilliant so you can yeah. find them at www.napac i think it's org. maybe might be.co.uk but they're yeah, brilliant they are brilliant
1: um
0: but but yes it's, it's worth reporting but i think we do have to have a conversation about the crown prosecution service okay. the cps i think part of i think what a lot of people may listen to this podcast and go Oh, you know, you're talking about this as if, you know, it's just really easy to report and everybody gets justice. When actually what we know is that um, justice in these kind of cases, particularly in uh, CSE, grooming, uh, sexual abuse, the the rates are extremely low comparatively to other types of crimes, especially. Um, And there's a whole layer of things that contribute to that. Mm -hmm. The CPS, the police, juries... um, you know, why Why does it feel like the system is so anti-victim? Okay, let's,
1: let's go back, I suppose, a little bit historical here. So in the UK, um, I, I, you know, I, I could be misquoting here, but so I'm going to put a sort of a disclaimer on myself here a little bit. I'm going to use language that I've heard and I haven't verified whether it's correct or not. But we say, worse to the effect in the UK, that best ten guilty go free than one innocent is convicted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I absolutely, actually, been an ex-police officer, believe in that. I do believe that, you know, justice should be met out on the right people, the guilty and not the innocent, and things like that. Um, and so the burden of proof here is always on the prosecution. They No defendant has to prove they didn't do it. The prosecution has to prove somebody did do it. Yep, so... The burden of proof is totally on us to prove to a jury, uh, these 12 people, that this person did this at this time. So when you have something like a child that tells you that daddy uh, put his finger in their vagina whilst bathing them, Mm. yeah, Mm. the case that you're talking about. So that's what comes. We then interview that child forensically, the ABE interview, as you said, that five-year-old. And the child gives us a five-year-old description, a 5 cognitive five-year-old description of daddy washing her and then his finger went and made my nunu sore. Yeah. What do you use your nunu for? I use my nunu for going for wee-wee out of. Okay. So that's what we've got. Yeah. So we've got that what Do perpetrators of child sex abuse call round witnesses? No. Mm. So it would be daddy's special time with his daughter in the bath. Mum would be downstairs making dinner, whatever, while daddy and daughter have their lovely time because he's at work all day, bless him, and it's a nice bit of social bonding between daddy and daughter. Mum would never, ever believe that dad would do that in mm. a million years. Ever. He's just She wouldn't marry such a bad person. That's beyond her to do that as well. So she can't believe it. And if she does believe it she has to go through so much turmoil all that mm. kind of thing so we then take that to court whose word is it against whose word is against whose mm. so we've now got a five-year-old girl against a respectable father in society uh saying that so the child's going to give a five-year-old childish now children are good at making up stories aren't they one minute they're batman aren't they One minute, Mm. the Spider-Man. One minute, the Superman. They play doctors and nurses, don't they? They've got wonderful imaginations, haven't they, children? Mm. So members of the jury. Don't you think this child could imagine about dad sticking their finger in their vagina or having sex with them? All these things will be put at the jury. I've had these real things said to me in trials, and I'm, like, fuming in court. But you can't interrupt, and you can't say anything to Mm. the contrary. So you have all this put at the jury. So they've got that in front of them. So they will then get told by the defence barrister, members of the jury, to convict my client, you must be sure, beyond all reasonable doubt, that my client committed what is alleged against them. It is not for us to prove he didn't do it. It's down to the prosecution that he did do that. Mm. From what you've heard if there's any doubt, members of the jury, you must acquit my client. Well, you've got a five-year-old child giving evidence against an adult male. So what I'm going to say to you is not nice, and I don't know whether I believe in this or not, but could we as police officers, CPS, judiciary be further abusing a child by putting them through that process.
0: Yeah, and the same with rape victims I I yeah. I, I think. I think it's yeah. it's doubly traumatic. Right. So we you're not have to
1: bear that in mind before we take that child through that very abusive process mm. which has to be there because I still believe in ten innocents should ten guilty should go free then one innocent is convicted. Mm. So we then We'll get that acquittal, but what if we put that child through that forensic interview? You know about a forensic interview; it's quite hard for not only you but for the child, it's very isn't it? Yeah? yeah, we've got to put them through that. We've got to get that girl in that frog leg position with two paediatricians to look in her vagina. Yeah, we may have to take swabs. We have to do this. It all doesn't happen to her every day, so everything is abnormal for that poor kid. In other words, we are potentially abusing a child aren't we yeah you know i know that's a harsh word and i'm probably wrong no, using no no
0: but... I, I i understand it and i think i've spoken to many rape victims who feel like the trial was more abusive or more most yeah. more traumatic than the actual abuse i, I think yeah. it
2: can mirror the abuse in that it takes away power from yeah. the victim yeah which is precisely what a rape does yeah, yeah. But, but may i say a little about how, how I feel that the British justice system can do better is in relation to the victims, because we spoke earlier about you use that quote um, about children that need the love the most, ask for it in the most unloving ways. And so you do have that vicious circle. I, I remember this was a case. It was a historical case. The young lady in question was only in her 20s. She was promiscuous. She was addicted. She was a bit of a street drinker. She was not a good character to be around. She mm. lived in utter chaos she gave me a very coherent um, AB interview about her abuse um, by her father all the way through her childhood. It was her and it was her father's word and the father denied it. And so in the end, it did go to the CPS. I did my very best for her, but there was no additional evidence because it happened many years ago. And like Robin said, there's, there's no other witnesses. And the CPS chose not to. And the reason was, well, she's promiscuous mm. she's a street drinker she's addicted who, who will believe this person so the the very things that the abuse had caused in in this young lady this woman were the f- reasons why the cps didn't take it further mm. i don't have the answers about how because uh, uh, you know your robin's exactly right we can't convict people of things that when they're not guilty of them, yeah. But how do we get around that paradox? I I don't know. I do think don't know the answer. I think
0: jury should be made up of professionals in any sex in rape, sexual abuse cases, child uh, abuse, in uh, uh, yeah. all child abuse. I think jury should not be members of the public because mm. I think there is. I don't so like giving
1: opinions because I don't think I should do. But I I agree with you. Yeah, I think with these type of cases we should have a professional jury, but. You've got to put in so many safety nets in there that the, the professional jury, because I I don't know about you, but I know about me, that when I got in the line of child abuse, um, you're starting to get a little bit, you see, they hear the same every day, don't you? Mm. And when you begin to hear the same every day, that professional jury... Could convict somebody that they shouldn't have convicted because they've heard yeah. this all before. You and could this time they yeah. go wrong. prejudicial you know? yeah. for the victim yeah. in the
2: same way that a jury so may be right. prejudicial against a victim. So, right. so, so yeah. it's got to
1: be a good professional jury. That yeah. you know. Anyway, that's that's for far people far better more educated than me to figure out. Yeah. But what I one one thing I would say is that a lot of people will be thinking now um, listening to this that that's it then. So we won't take them to court because beyond all. De- reasonable doubt you know so you are sure jury the 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 evidence that we have to prove is so strong in the british judiciary system and quite rightly so um it is world followed so it's got to have something right um the what about what you used in your family court so you didn't use beyond all reasonable doubt when you wanted to convince the the judge to to uh, give a specific order so Mm. you know put the child into care or whatever yeah. or uh, prohibited steps orders, specific issues orders yeah. and all the other orders that you would have gone at court. You, what you had to do... So is just to on explain
0: the... that for social workers don't go to criminal courts. No, to, family so, courts. Yeah, they go to family courts to try to apply for orders that would enable them to protect children.
1: Yeah. So one of those, those orders, the judge works it out on the balance of probabilities. Mm. Now that's a far less I was looking for the right word here but the burden of proof is far less yeah. so mm. what a the judge will do is, is if I could just yeah. use all your people's imagination again is think of a set of scales and they're balanced so both left and right scale are dead level with each other you would then as a social worker would put the case for this specific issues order whatever order you're going to ask the judge to issue here then maybe the mum the dad the family lawyer will then give their side so the the judge's uh, scales will go down after you've given your evidence, down quite a long way to give that order. Mm-hmm. But then when the parents start to give in, they're filling up the other side of the scales, and it's starting, your side's going up and theirs is going down. It's then where the judge thinks, where am I now? Actually, it's slightly tilted in favour. Yeah. Then they make the order and give you that. Or they say, no, actually, it's slightly yeah. tilted to the parents, so therefore we're not going to make the order for you today. Kind of thing, balance of probabilities is far less, and it's not for the prosecution to prove it. It's for both sides to give. So it's it,
0: it would make more sense it, whether
1: whether something could be used like that, but then. I don't know, punishment as well. Could you imprison on that? I don't, but but also,
0: the, but the punishments, it seems, for child sex abuse, particularly online, like image offending, is so fucking low. Right. Like, I've, I've known people to, I, I had a friend, close friend of mine, actually, who, his fingerprint was found on a bag of heroin in somebody else's airing cupboard. I mean, we don't need to go into why he was there. But, you know, he got ten, a 10-year ten sentence and, um, and then I've worked with people who've had thousands and thousands and thousands of images of children and they've got a four-month suspended sentence. Or people have been done for fraud and they get 18 years and you get done for child abuse and you get 18 months. And
2: it's like, what the fuck the, the, is, the cynical is where side are of me? our priorities? <laughs> exactly. You look at the sentencing and it will teach you what society values and what mm. society finds less important.
1: Can, can I give another controversial view, which I've been argued with a little bit about this so I appreciate that not all your listeners are going to view going to, again I'm giving myself a disclaimer here that, that you're not all I, I know you're not all going to agree with me here mm. but I am really against two words that we use this is going to your thing about sentencing mm. and things like this is minimizing to me is what's happening so two words are pornography yeah. child pornography and sexting I hate with a vengeance, both of those words. So let's look at pornography. Pornography stems from a Greek, and it means writing about prostitutes. That's the definition of pornography. So it's to see what a sexual worker does, see sex. Yeah. But it's done by words. So that's how pornography came. Asking you this here, is pornography in the UK legal? Yes or no? Could I now go on my iPhone and look at Pornhub? Yeah. Yes. It's legal, isn't it? Perfectly legal for me to go on. I want to watch porn.com. Yeah, perfectly legal. Nothing wrong with me watching that whatsoever. When I was a paperboy back in the many years, hundreds of years ago, I used to deliver in a in a plain brown uh, packet through people's pornography, didn't mm. I? With Mayfair penthouse or whatever and else. Top shelf <laughs> magazine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So pornography's always been lawful here mm. in the UK. So we're talking about the UK because not all countries is it legal, but it's legal here. So a sexual image of a child is called child pornography, isn't it? Mm. Which, that's not
0: what I call it, but yes, yeah, but it that's is, what is. it is. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly.
1: So a senior police officer, a judge, a lawyer, can say, well, it's just a bit of child pornography, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they can. Yeah, yeah. Because pornography plays it down. What yeah. is it really? It's I'll nice. ask you, Claire, what is it? It's
2: a image of child abuse. A yeah. child, image of child race, sexual, sexual, sexual abuse image. Yeah. yeah?
1: yeah. So how can a judge say, well, it's just a child sex abuse image? They can't say that. No. Because the press would be slaughtering them and everyone else in the court would be slaughtering mm. them. But they can say, well, it's just a bit of child pornography, so therefore we can, you know. It's... Yeah, yeah. But what they don't have to think about is what did that child go through yeah. to, to have that picture taken? They don't have to get, walk in that child's it, shoes.
2: It's implying a consent yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: child pornography in the UK does not exist. Never has, never will, never did. Yeah, yeah. Because pornography is legal. Taking a sexual image of a child under the age of eighteen is a criminal offence. Yeah. So it can't be. Why
0: one with such a low? Why one with such a low conviction rate? This is what, you know, because, you know, you're, okay, you've got 100 images or a 1,000 images of, of children on your computer and maybe you didn't take them, you got them off the dark web but every image that you're seeing is a child who's been traumatised and yeah. abused. Why are you then getting a four-month sentence?
1: I can't answer that because each individual it's, it's case...
2: around... It's did you around. find that really what society oh, values, what our government uh, values and You tell me yeah, one yeah. experienced
1: police officer that isn't annoyed about sentencing. and oh. Yeah. You know, but but it's, then, It must
0: be harder for you guys to deal with. Uh, it was like, It was for us months of building a case. This child going, or or, you know, people getting these people to court, and then yeah, guilty. Oh, you got. And the main thing is,
2: is to to remember that although yeah, they went there and they haven't taken that image, they are driving the market force to allow people to carry on taking images of children. They're creating a market for that. Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: inexcusable. Just to finish off, sexting is the same thing
2: sexting
1: it just sounds like nothing doesn't it ah a bit of sexting in the school yeah i, I go into school do you have sexting it yeah you're not taking that seriously are you yeah because it's the word sexting if i said i are you having children here taking child sex abuse images and sending them of themselves and of others go, <gasps> mm. they go wouldn't they But when I say sexing, yeah, oh, no, all schools have that. Yeah, yeah, we we have that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
0: I think this is one of the problems, isn't it, is that teenagers actually have porn in their pockets now. Mm. They, they, uh, you know, actual Mm. porn, they can just go on their phones. And I think parents need to be really clear about parental controls. But also, they are sharing, you you know, the amount of times it used to come up, you know, a girl would uh, give oral sex to a boy at 14 you know consensually or maybe not consensually who knows but that image would be videoed and everybody in the school and all the surrounding local schools would get sent that in in their on their mobile phones and and actually they are sharing images of of a child Ooh, yeah. it's criminal I- images and i think it's really important to talk to our teenagers about that you receive these images in your phone you tell someone and then you delete it immediately you do not share it otherwise you are distributing
1: yeah.
0: child porn it, even yeah. showing
1: so if i pick my phone up now and show you an image of a child on there yeah that I'm guilty of distributing that image. I haven't sent it to you. I've just shown it to you. That's that's enough for me. I
0: actually dealt with a case like that where uh, this woman got in a lot of trouble. She sent, so she got sent this awful video of of a really young child engaged in it, 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 being forced into a horrible sexual act. And she sent it to her group chat, like 12 people in the group chat to sort of say, this is awful, look what's happening. Um, And I mean, the police, somebody in the group chat reported it but she'd been doing it or so she says with the intention of this is awful but if it's so awful you don't need to you, you're you're resharing that child's trauma every time
2: you're sending that on yeah yeah you're, you're adding to that child's trauma yeah. and you're committing yeah. the criminal offence. exactly
0: yeah. yeah all right look we've been going for a couple of hours now we need to come to the end but we can't finish without discussing something which is becoming more and more of uh, problematic uh, and i got a lot of questions about it um when I said that you guys were coming along. So we need to talk about the Pizzagate uh, conspiracy theories, uh, stuff around the Hollywood elite paedophile rings and satanic cults and QAnon and all of that. And for anyone who doesn't know about it, I'll just give you a very brief uh, rundown summary. So Q is allegedly a, a government official who works for the CIA or the FBI or somewhere in the White House. probably not because nobody knows who the hell Q is and everything that Q tends to say, you know, he'll predict things happening on certain dates and they never actually happen. But despite this, people still believe... That he's got inner working knowledge of the U.S. government, um, and what he's trying to lead people to believe is that President Trump um, is here to uh, eradicate uh, the Hollywood elite of pedophilia and satanic sex cults. Trump is the only person who's able to save the children from these secret cabals they call them. Um, there are many, many YouTube videos. I've watched the vast majority of them because I've always said look you know i I, i'm not into conspiracy theories and so because i do this people send me a lot of videos and i i like to be open-minded i if this stuff is going on i would really like to know about it not that i can do anything about it sitting in london but anyway so i've been open minded about it and i've really looked at the stuff that these people call research which isn't research it's youtube videos unverified starring people who claim to be whoever but there's no verification of that and they all talk about, um, oddly enough, all of these, these elite paedophiles are Democrats. Um, they are all their celebrities who are connected to the Democrat Party and who are anti-Trump. And uh, what they believe is that there is an elite group of Hollywood um, stars who um, traffic children uh, for the purposes of having sex with them and drinking their blood and also getting their adrenochrome which is again unverified by scientists but apparently if you kill children and you take their adrenaline it can make you stay younger a lot of this stuff around the um uh the the blood drinking actually comes from anti-semitic tropes and myths from many years ago that we used to justify mass killing of jews um And I mean, lots of people have tried to explore these conspiracy theories and have found absolutely no evidence. Um, They all came up in 2016 initially when Trump was trying to get into office and they're coming up again now in 2020 Um, and it's quite scary. I mean, there was a save the children March in Liverpool this weekend. Um, and, and, and people are really hooked on this idea that this is real, that there are millions of children that Hollywood is the epicenter of child trafficking. Millions of children are getting st- Stolen from Disneyland and other places, and taken to these Hollywood elites where they're like farming children. Uh, and Trump is really the only person that can do anything about this. Um, and and so people in the UK are really hanging on to this, um, and they're not bad people. They're people who want to do something about child abuse. Um, and yeah, so they had a march this weekend to save the children. March. Um, but 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 my thing is, save the children from what? Which children? Because we've sat here and we've had this long conversation about actual child abuse, which is happening everywhere. In Liverpool, Glasgow, Manchester, London and Hollywood, definitely. There is abuse everywhere. So we're not denying that it's happening. But um, what do you think about these Pizzagate and, and QAnon theories?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think... Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to answer, but remembering my background, so being in police, and I work on facts, so you would have to give me the facts. So, where's all the names of these children that have gone missing? Parents would have reported these children missing. So, where are their names? Where's their details? Where's the missing reports yeah. from the children from Disneyland, like you said, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Where's all that? If any police officer, and I know Claire and I would have been the same, if we got an allegation uh, around this, that this would be. Investigated to the nth degree to make sure that this is or isn't happening, the kind of thing it wouldn't just be palmed out. I don't know about America, of course. Well, what
0: they seem to claim is that uh, basically every police officer is in on it, and this is where it becomes implausible. You just couldn't have millions of people, tens of thousands of people that work for the police not just the police, but the admin staff and the cleaners and all of these people who make the police operate just. Totally involved in, in the, it. This is, yeah. you know.
1: Now I I joined the police back in the mid seventies. It's so a long time ago when corruption was starting to end. You know, there was a bit of corruption, and Sir Robert Mark was the commissioner when I joined, and uh, that was all about corruption and things like that. The Met Police had thirty eight thousand officers, I think, at one stage. I was very much an individual. Yeah, I was brought up in a a loving household in the south of England and things like that and then went to become a police officer. If one person tried to manipulate me either to be corrupt, this, that the other, I would have spoken out. There's no doubt about it. And 99% of my colleagues would have done the same. So in the Met Police, I am hand on heart, 100% absolutely sure that you could not get every police officer on side. You will get some radicals, you get some bad police officers, absolutely. Yeah, you will get criminals as police officers. I'm not going to deny that ever happens and things like that. They're not all perfect, far from it. However, there is, in the in London, in the Met Police, from my experience, this would be a no-no, mm. absolute no-no. You just couldn't do it, it's impossible. And then people We're will so say, individual.
0: devil's advocate, people say, but what happened, what about Jimmy Savile? Who was allowed to get away with it, despite the fact that a lot of people knew what was going on.
1: Yeah. So with Jimmy Savile, I don't know because I wasn't involved in his case and things like that. But he did have a lot of power and things like that. And people did turn the wrong eye. But again, it wasn't investigated then as it would have been today. There was no doubt that if he was doing what he did then now, he would be in prison. Absolutely no doubt.
2: People did report it. I think the issue was it it didn't go any further, but all the way through, there were witnesses all the way through because Mm. there's no such thing. There's not a big homogenous mass of police officers that think police officers believed it exactly the same way, Mm. like you're saying, that police officers are are kind of a diverse set of people, Mm. probably could be more diverse. I know that, yeah, but they are a diverse set of people, and you know, like, like Robin says, that how that you, you have the kind of the same range of characters that you do in society from your corrupt officers, hopefully very, very small amount in the police to your officers that's perhaps more right wing, officers that are more left wing. Mm-hmm. They are not one homogenous mass right. of same thinking robots. So it would be impossible to keep such a mass... This massive scale of I mean, organization yeah. that that would
0: involve yeah and then this is what I, I find difficult because there are some fabulous charities which we need to go over at the end um who you know day and night blood sweat and tears their whole aim is to protect children to uh, end child trafficking to end child sexual exploitation to think that these charities would Hear and see all of these accusations and go, oh no, we're going to leave that one alone because it's run by Hillary Clinton. You know, Epstein is proof of the fact that actually, when it all comes to light, they do go to prison. I mean he's probably been killed because he's got too much info on donald trump you know um but but when it comes out and, and one of the things that's interesting about the epstein thing was very much the same as the rochdale thing i would really urge everyone to watch three girls if they haven't watched it um absolutely yeah, brilliant program yeah. about the the rochdale um uh grooming gangs and and the thing was it's, it's very similar to the epstein thing which, which is that um they weren't the perfect victim. So everybody kind of imagines these trafficking victims that are all being taken by the Hillary Clinton gang to be Sort of Madeline McCann types, very innocent young children. When actually the victims of Epstein and the victims in the Rochdale gangs are girls who were drinking, and as we've discussed, you know, who you might, if you were uneducated in this field, blame them because they've chosen to go with the boyfriend or they've done this in return for a mobile phone or whatever. So you know, with Epstein again, there were victims, and they went, and the police were aware, but these girls were kind of ignored because, well, they know what she knows what she's doing. He's a rich man she's just trying to use him for his money because of our victim blaming and our awful beliefs about how sex trafficking works when the victims were there we never helped them um so so to me i just find it very um i find it scary actually that these things are coming to light not because um Yeah, I find it scary because I think a lot of people don't realise they're coming from the alt-right, that they're very much spreading alt-right propaganda to try to get Trump back into power. And if you really care about children, there's evidence of how Trump harms children. There's evidence of the children in the Mexican detention centres who are being abused by ICE officers. If you want to end child abuse, these are one of the ways you can do it, is to get Trump out. Can I
1: ask this about that? It's a classic distraction,
0: isn't it? It's a classic distraction.
1: Trump is on the campaign trail now yeah is he saying that this is what he's doing is he saying about pizzagate is real and he's trying to stop it
0: well he was asked a couple of days ago uh in a press conference and somebody said because because QAnon is now being listed as domestic terrorism because actually these people are doing things like going into pizza restaurants and and shooting um, and also people are misinterpreting so when you say i mean i did a post the other day about you know there there is abuse in hollywood um but it's not the way that you're imagining it and there is abuse and child trafficking across the world It's not the way that you're imagining it and actually these are the ways in which you can help people and these are the things that you can do people don't want to do any of that they just want to go like ah um and and so it's becoming this kind of uncontained um swell of people who are desperately worried about these children, which is is you can't blame them for that that's Good. I'm glad you're worried about children, um, but they're all joining this QAnon thing, and it's becoming quite dangerous. So it was raised at this conference press conference the other day. Somebody said to Trump, "You know, QAnon is saying that you're out here trying to fight pedophile rings or whatever," and he's like, "I don't know much about this, but if that's what they're saying, then surely that's a good thing." You know, sorry, that was my very poor <laughs> quite, Trump quite impression. <laughs> <laughs> So he's not denying, which then... The QAnon people are so mad that they do these things like they'll say his spelling mistakes in his tweets, that's a secret code. And where this all stemmed from was that um Hillary Clinton's emails to John Podesta were leaked by WikiLeaks and they mentioned cheese and pizza lots and lots of times. And Mm -hmm. most normal people might think, yeah, they probably do use secret codes in their high government emails. But to come what they've come to the conclusion of is that cheese is child and peers pornography. The fact that you even got there is you're kind of fucked up, like because, you know, um, so, so it's. Did
1: I, I see was if Justin Bieber touches his hat, then he's been a victim of it.
0: Yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, the, I mean, there's also these things like Disney are heavily involved in it, and Disney put like a triangle is for a paedophile ped, code for a boy, and there's a hippo in Madagascar with a chart a triangle on it. But people don't even know how to, how to interpret stats, you know, like 800,000 missing children in America. People are like, where are these 800,000 children? Well, you know, as police officers, if I report you missing tomorrow because you've run away from home, but then you come back at 11, you're still on the missing children stats. And then if you go missing again next week, your num- you're, you're time's two on the missing children stats. So 800,000 children doesn't mean that 800,000 children have just disappeared off the face of the earth. They've just been reported missing. Hmm. Most of them have returned.
1: Or some have returned back to their countries of origin and things like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah basically you're saying you don't know much about it
2: but no, it doesn't it. sound but like a normal just, urge, like you said that you're open-minded and you will watch the videos and keep an open mind to things urge people if they do believe this to keep an open mind to the fact that they could be wrong yeah and read up because if it's the truth you, you can't discredit the truth how, how can you yeah but find out more read around it don't just read things that feed into your belief of it read things that argue against your belief if you, if you still think it's wrong well at least you've gone out and you've you've kind of en- opened your eyes to the possibility of yeah. other truths. Can,
1: can I just tell you a real case that happened and this is on the other side of the world in a in a country the other side of the world and it was an allegation that a boy uh, a young boy 5 or 6 years of age had been raped in a toilet by cleaners in a school. Okay. So that case then went very public and I, even now, this happened a few years ago, are being told by people that nothing happened in that school. It was just a wheeze for the um, parents to sue the school and make a lot of money. Yep. And so there, nothing happened and all the professionals in that school were innocent of that. And so I say to them, were you there in the toilet when it happened? They say, no. Okay. So where did you hear about the innocence of these cleaners? attacking this boy uh where did you hear from that well i heard from such and such were they in the toilet no they weren't in the toilet so where were they oh well they were told it by somebody out right where did they hear it from well they heard it from duh, duh, duh. so right so when we i said to him we were sitting i was sitting actually in thailand talking to this bloke. it wasn't in thailand this happened but so you're saying that the parents made this up but the boy made a very clear disclosure before the parents were involved about the cleaners and what they did to him in the toilet before the parents even knew about it, yeah. And now you're saying that everyone was innocent of that and the boy was never harmed. But you're saying to me, you weren't there, your informant wasn't there, their informant wasn't there, their informant wasn't there. And the final one got it from the head teacher of the school, who had everything to lose and nothing to gain mm. by, by it happening. So that's your evidence yeah. on that case. So what I was trying to say to him is that if you're going to make a statement like that to me, back it up. You know, with somebody like the boy said, "No, I made it up." I made it up so my parents could sue the school or whatever. Or the cleaners, you know, the, the, the cleaners saying they didn't do it or whatever. So they would do, wouldn't they? Mm. You know, but where did you get that from? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really boiling it down for me is, is that I could make a wild accusation that at the moment we're not actually in London, we're in the Taj Mahal doing this podcast. Mm. Yeah. You lot out there, what do you believe now? Where mm. are we really?
0: And how could you prove? And prove it. Prove yeah. that
1: we're not in the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Yeah?
0: Um, I think that the main thing for me is that if you live in Hollywood, then absolutely you should be trying to deal with with child sex trafficking in your community. Yeah. And that's likely to be yeah. your Weinstein types and your Epstein types. Power gives, you know, people privilege to abuse. And, and, and you should be looking at that. But if you are in Tottenham or you are in Hull or you're in Halifax or wherever you are... Deal with the child sex trafficking and child abuse yeah. in your area because Absolutely. you can actually do something. Do something can do Look for something. the signs that we have spoken about today. Report. Even if you think mm, it might be nothing, report, report, report. And donate and get involved with different charities. Put your money where your mouth is if you are so concerned about this. Mm. As we spoke earlier, NAPAC is a really good one. The National, um, what's it?
1: Social protection adults protection. in childhood abuse in childhood yeah abuse in
0: childhood so yeah. another one is pace parents against yep. child sexual exploitation you can find them at paceuk.info. dot uh, info another great charity is mossack mm-hmm. if you are the mother of a sexually mother abused, or father mother is, or is father. yeah so Mothers of Sexually Abused Children. That's what it so.
1: used to stand for. Right. It's now just Mossack. So forget what it used to stand for. Yeah. It's now for parents of carers of uh, abused, sexually okay. abused children where they can get help to help their child.
0: And they're brilliant as well, yeah, aren't they? I'm just trying to find their link to... Sorry, I should have done this before... So it's mossac.org, m-o-s-a-c.org.uk. Um, and ECPAT are very good around child trafficking. Uh, Don't just... forget
1: the obvious ones as well: Bernardo's.
0: Bernardo's, Lucy, NSPCC, Faithful. Lucy yep. Faithful Foundation. Yep. Uh, ECPAT is ECPAT.org.uk. They're a children's rights organisation working to protect children from trafficking and exploitation yeah bernardo's nspcc both do another, fantastic work
1: another one i i like i like their website is the london grid for learning lgfl you might have to try to go in a quick search on lg is it the london lgfl london grid for learning what they do is uh, online. London Grid for learning trust yeah so they do uh, a tremendous amount for um online so how to stop children getting groomed and oh, exploited brilliant. online so though that I like I like the yeah, way we they, haven't gone w- that
0: much into that today no, but again but yeah. it's just about talking to your children communicating with them allowing them to feel safe saying to you sexual words and mm. uh, boundaries around consent and things um, so yeah that's a great start contact those uh, charities if you need support but also donate to them if you can yeah, okay. and the survivors trust is is, is great as well um
1: Um, Make sure your organisations keep this at the forefront of their mind as well. So whether you work in social care, health, schools, education, whatever, uh, charities as well, keeping yourself... Up to date, trained, and knowing about these things, and you know, uh, safeguarding is everyone's responsibility. Absolutely, welfare of the child is paramount and should override and underpin everything we do. Absolutely
0: everything, and that even extends to you know, if you've got a noisy household at the end of your street and you've got these drunk girls coming in and out, instead of writing them off and thinking these are annoying me, keeping me up late at night, report. They might be trafficked children. You just Mm. don't know. It's they don't look like what we think they're going to look Mm. like. They look like your annoying teenagers who are throwing bottles in the street yeah. um, have some sensitivity and look around you. Anyway, God, so that was a long one. I'm sorry to have kept you here for this long
2: where's that time gone I don't know yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: hopefully this will uh, teach everybody a lot of things thank you so much you're both amazing thank you
2: for giving us the opportunity to come and
0: speak to you and again if you need Robin to come to your organisation he can come and train your staff regardless of what setting it is as we say safeguarding is everyone's responsibility if you just so I've just googled Robin Watts CSE and you come up uh no you don't oh raw training limited that's it yeah so it's www.rawtrainingltd.com and you can get more information about robin and you can hire him to come and speak
1: do not judge me on the website i cannot create i'm not artistic and i did that and i can't it's it's not the
0: best website i know it's rubbish i found you it's rubbish i managed to find you he's not got any social media which is probably a good thing um i think you're on linkedin as well yeah i'm on linkedin
3: all
0: right amazing thank you thank you Bye -bye. Bye. so robin and claire have now left and i just had a thought actually one of the questions that we didn't manage to answer didn't manage to answer a lot of the questions because we ended up talking for a long time and i hope you all found that useful uh but one of the questions we didn't answer was how do you cope with all this how do you disengage from it and manage to have a normal life after you've left work dealing with the most horrendous things and I think it's important to address that because also some of you may be feeling that after listening to this podcast it's heavy you know to talk about child abuse child sex abuse which is something it's very difficult to think about and hear about and talk about Um, you might have finished that podcast and be feeling stressed out upset it might have brought back memories for you it might make you just feel sort of wired up and unable to sleep or whatever um and i think that the important thing to think about is that um as Robin said, knowledge is power uh, and education is power. And so having listened to all of this shouldn't make you feel out of control or that there is this mass abuse going on around you that you can't do anything about. Actually, what it should do is make you feel empowered. And, y- you know, having listened to all that, you are now in a better position to help children and young people. So, that, so it's a good thing that you have this information. It's not information that should stress you. The other thing is that actually whilst we talk about this you know all children being vulnerable to it and and all of that kind of stuff it is relatively rare most children will especially if, if you are the parent and you're listening and you are ensuring that your child is from a loving healthy home environment most children will be okay most children won't be exposed to it but of course many children are and Having listened to a podcast like this, or if you work in an environment where you're exposed to awful things that are happening to children, then you do have to find strategies for uh, working through that. Therapy is incredibly important. Uh, Utilising supervision. If you are a professional and you are in a workplace um, where you're dealing with these things, make sure that you have a good relationship with a line manager, somebody who can offer you regular supervision don't feel worried or scared or embarrassed to talk about the fact that this has deeply affected you. You know, it doesn't make you any less of a professional if you are affected by it. The thing is being a professional working in this setting, you can't get emotionally invested and you can't become emotional about every case. If you did, you wouldn't be able to uh, give justice to those children. You have to be able to hold it together for them. So, you know, there are ways of managing that. Um, it's really important if you go home at the end of the night, at, you know, five o'clock, shut it off. I make this mistake all the time, which is that I was talking I started therapy again recently. And I was talking to my therapist and I was saying, you know, it's a lot, I work a lot of hours. And she said, what do you do to switch off? I said, I read. And she said, what are you reading at the moment? And I was reading a book about, I was re- actually at that time, I was reading Miss Justice about how the British British law is failing people. And she was like, well, that's a book all about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. She, I said, I watch TV sometimes. She's like, what are you watching at the moment? And I was watching I May Destroy You, which is a program all about sexual assault and rape. And she was like, you're not taking any breaks. You're consuming it all the time. And I do that because I like to be knowledgeable. I like to research. I like to make sure that I've got, you know, up-to-date information But also, it's incredibly important to have that conscious level of switching off. Do something completely unrelated. Look after yourself. Go for a massage. Um, Do something fun. Read books that are just total fiction and have nothing to do with it. Watch TV programs like I've been watching Selling Sunset recently on Netflix, which is total mindless trash but it's nothing to do with any of this. So it helps you to switch off from it. And um, there are other techniques like mindfulness, which are really helpful because sometimes you can get lots of invading anxious thoughts about these things that there was a number of cases that I had that I would take home and I would lay in bed at night worrying about what was happening, happening to that child. And there's a couple of techniques like one is putting the thought in a boat. So if you literally get a disturbing thought, you really don't like it. You imagine you're, you, 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 yourself taking that thought out of your head and writing it down on a piece of paper. You just only have to imagine this. And then you imagine yourself folding up that piece of paper and putting it in a little boat on a stream and you're sitting in front of this stream and you watch that thought float off down the river and you allow that thought to pass by just floating off down the river. And in all that time that you've taken to actually have that imagination of this river and this boat, you're actually not even thinking about the thought, you're thinking about that. And then you what you push the thought away another one that I used to use was putting it in a box so I would take that thought and I would put it in a little box and then I would lock that box and then I'd put that box in another box and I'd imagine that box being different and then I'd lock that box and then I'd put it in a safe and then I'd lock that safe and then I'd put that safe somewhere else so again for that whole five minutes that I was imagining all these different secure boxes I wasn't thinking about that thought and then when the thought came I would go oh no that thought's not here and it was in the box or it's down the river it's gone So using mindfulness and different strategies to help you, um, you know, they they do help. Um, So, but talk, stress release, and and don't get too worried about things that you can't control or that you can't do anything about. It does make you feel better to donate to organisations that are working tirelessly to... To do all of this um and it does make you feel better to know that you're actively doing something but also you have to look after yourself you have to be mentally able and ready and emotionally stable to be able to help anyone so help yourself first don't become too consumed with these things and if you are therapy meditation mindfulness just look after yourself